Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Donald Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Steve Weish of the NFL Network as we'll go around the National Football League with Steve. Also, we'll get his insights on the HBCUs and where they go from here with Dion off to Colorado. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, along with our pigskin picks against the spread. We will also have our Big 12 breakdown segments uh, as well, and our uh, Tom Fullery story of the week coming up at the end of today's show. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges, as this is our last show before the Christmas holiday. So, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to our entire audience out there as Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, uh, Merry Christmas to you. How you doing, man? Hey, Merry Christmas to you. I'm, uh, you know, I'm doing as good as, as, uh, as we can in this time of year and having a lot of fun and um, treading new waters. I think, you know, going into the new year, I think that, uh, you know, even as you as a listener, you should have things identified. Um, this is a little Tom, not Tom Fuller. This is a little Tom improvery that uh, I can give you <clears throat> that that would say that, hey, every year you should have something that pops up or something that inspires you in terms of uh, Tom improvery. Yeah, that you should, that you should strive for. So. I'm working on Tom and Provery right now. I like that. Tom, I, I would say, you know, along those same lines, this is also our last show for the year. As uh, we mentioned, we'll be off next week. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I just look back at this year and I could not be for more grateful. I mean, you know firsthand, you know, I, I went through some circumstances, some trials at the beginning of this year and, just the way things worked out the way they did to where I'm at now. Uh, I'm, I'm just thankful to be where I'm at and to go through those circumstances, to take them head on. I, I felt like I, I became stronger because of it. And, you know, I think of kind of what, you know, Geno Smith said a while back of, uh, you know, in his own situation, he said, they wrote me off, but I ain't right back though. And, and, and I felt like I kind of take, took on that same, attitude approach of some sorts where you know when things weren't good you know found a way out at the end of the tunnel to something better something greater so you know i'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything here but i I just look back and reflect on just coming through you know taking challenges on and getting better throughout the process with a better situation than the end run um i do it all over again i mean hell yeah it's um it's worked out for you pretty well. You know, it hasn't, <clears throat> you know, it's always worked out for you pretty well, but it's sometimes not worked out for you. Um, and you had to battle those up and downs and, you know, and even sometimes very drastically. Um, and so, hell yeah. Hell yeah to your 2023, you know, at the first 2021 was kind of at least for you kind of battled and now it's like well okay well you know you've 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 worked for the opportunities and now they've come um and and had to work through some and you know deny some and welcome some and 
you know, I, I feel like for you, you know, we always think about 2023 or just 23 in general as the Jordan year, but 2022 for you has uh, been a pretty overall good year. You've, you've grown a lot. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, Tom. You know, it, it, uh, it, it certainly was a lot of tests that I wasn't expecting to take. And I didn't know if I was ready, if I was really prepared for those, but I mean, you make the most of those circumstances and you hey, know, sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I was talking to some close friends the other day and, and they're asking what I'm doing for Christmas. And I said, well, you know, family's coming down, but I got to work Christmas Eve, you know, and, uh, you know, chiefs and Seahawks are playing and, so I'll be busy with that. And I said, well, that's too bad. I'm like, no, it's it's not too bad at all. No, no, no. I, I get to do what I have been working hard for my entire career to work these marquee games, the holiday games that we all strive for, that we all want to cover. Um, you know, that's – I can have the Norman Rockwell Christmas, you know, another day or celebrate another time. You know I mean? I, I, this is what I've been working towards. And so – I have no complaints. If anything, I'm excited for this weekend and just to you know not only celebrate this Christmas holiday and everything, but be around the sport I love and the thing I love doing the most. I mean, uh, I, I'm taking it all in stride, Tom. I mean, you did tweet out about that, about <clears throat> kind of being around, and I mean, you're I wouldn't say you're forced to be around it, but in a way you kind of are. So, you know, everybody doesn't get to do, you know, Sunday night football or Monday night football with Troy and Buck, at least for you, not yet. Um, so, you know, at that point it's like, well, you know, would you rather work a desk job that you hate or would you rather work a holiday that you rather spend with family, but you also get to do something that you love. Right. You know, it's a, it's a give and take, and I think you got a good ratio going. I mean, like, we're going to talk to our buddy Steve Weiss here coming up later on. Steve is going to be working the sidelines on the NFL Network on Christmas Eve for Steelers Raiders. And you know what he's going to do first thing Christmas morning? He's going to get on a plane, go home to L.A. and see his family. And he'll spend Christmas with his family. I'm working Christmas Eve, sure. But I'm going to have that night and Christmas Day with my family, and I get the best of both. It's it's about having that balance. I mean, Tom, it's so much easier when you do something you love, when you're passionate about. That makes all the difference in the world. And and, and if I had anything to say, you know, as kind of like a an end of the year thing for the folks listening out there, if anything I could pass along, I would say whether it's in your job or in your personal life or just whatever it may be. Find that thing you're passionate about and chase it and go after it. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I mean, and your passion doesn't even have to be employment. It could be something that, you know, is something that you uh, are charitable with or, you know, a hobby of some sorts. Don't let anything get in that way of what, what matters to you most. That would be my message, my the thing that, you know, with me this year of, of finding the job I love, the thing that I, I really wanted to do, not settling, being passionate for that thing, that
that's what I would encourage the folks out there as we head into 2023 to don't let up, to keep chasing that passionate thing that uh, that you care about and strive for. Don't 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 let go of that. No, I don't blame him either because I'm, you know, I get things taken away from me in terms of, you know, when I say that, it's DJing like smaller events. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, um, you know, as a side hustle, at least for me, I get to pick and choose what I want and what I don't want. And so that's super nice too, but, you know, you, you, you're hard pressed to really find somebody that's not doing a side hustle. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, so, you know, if you make enough money for it during the beginning of the year or just in general, then, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, it would be a blessing not to have to have a side hustle, but I do appreciate my side hustle. So when it comes down to it, I'm like, you know, is it all that bad? Is it all that terrible that this side hustle allows me to do more with my family than what it does? If I have to give up one day, even if it's December 25th, does it really matter that much? Right. Like, you know, like you give up all these other days for it and you get these other days to do this. Is it that big of a deal? If you have to do it, maybe on the day that's recognized by the nation. Right. Yeah. And I don't think so. Yeah. I'm with you. Tom, let's, uh, let's take begin as we always do with our look around the uh, National Football League and Thursday night football, if I would have told you before the season that, you know, week 16, we're going to get the Jags and the Jets, I think everybody would have yawned and said, oh, great, I'm not watching that game. You know, I'll I'll go to a pop-up bar or do something else, you know, with my time to watch Jags-Jets. But who would have thought? Look at us. The Jags and the Jets Thursday night football with playoff implications. Jags still have a shot at the division. The Jets still have a shot of the wild card, um, and Trevor Lawrence is playing really good. This is a this is a sneaky good game. I mean, absolutely. I mean, well, mm, it's not Super Bowl contending. No, but it's playoff contending teams. As playoff contending. And, well, you know, I would have probably said last year that said, well, Bengals aren't playoff or Super Bowl contending. Right. We, see all, we, we saw all that worked out. So, is it, is it disingenuous for me to say that the Jets don't have a chance? Um, I don't think it's disingenuous because, I mean, they still don't have their quarterback situation figured out. Right. I mean, they played Zach Wilson last week, and after all that, you brought him back. I mean, a lot of instability there. Meanwhile, Trevor Lawrence looks phenomenal. Of those quarterbacks in last year's draft class, he looks far and away the best one. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I like what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence there. Uh, that should be an interesting game. Seahawks. So, Jags versus Eagles. Yes. Seahawks and Chiefs. 
Uh, we'll be doing a watch party on Chat Sports. Should be a good time uh, on the channel on Seahawks Day. And Tom, you have a, a Seahawks team that's not playing very good right now. They've lost four of their last five. They can't seem to run the football. And Kenneth Walker's got an injury. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, they're winning games. You know, they're they're 11 and 3, but they're hanging around in games they shouldn't. Going to overtime with the Texans. Uh, you know, some getting, you know, close games with the Broncos where Mahomes throws three interceptions and and stuff like that. Um I, I think that this could be a close game, but I still think Seattle's overmatched here. Mm. I think they're a little overmatched. I do think that <clears throat> you know, I think Seattle could could do a little bit of damage, but I only say that because the Chiefs have somewhat decided to play lesser opponents like they play the Texans. Right. That's the only reason I say that. Right. Do you think the Chiefs give their best effort, like, here against Seattle? Is this a good enough game for them to get their attention? I would hope so. What's uh, what's the line are we looking at? It's a 10-point spread in favor of Kansas City. And it's in Seattle? In Kansas City. I mean, I think that's good enough. I'd say – if it was nine, I'd give it to the Chiefs. I think it could be I, – I do think it could be a split. I think it could be a a wash for sure. Yeah. Um, Bills and uh, taking on the Bears. The Bears uh, – I feel bad for Justin Fields. The Bears do not deserve Justin Fields. He's about to break Lamar Jackson's single-season rushing record – and he's not getting any help around him. It's he and David Montgomery, and that's it. Everyone else is just awful on that team. I feel bad for Justin Fields. Meanwhile, the Bills, they're sitting at 11-3 and and got a nice win against the Dolphins that came down to the wire last Saturday. Josh Allen is playing at a high level. That team looks really good, even with Von Miller gone for the year. Um there's no reason why this uh, this game should be close here, Tom. I mean, uh, Justin Fields just has no help right now. He has really no help at all, and he's just running for his life the whole time. So, you know, at this point for the Bears, they're essentially really down to one person. And you know what's coming at you. So, if you're a D.C. and you don't beat the Bears – or if you don't put a game plan in there to account for Justin Fields, then you should probably be fired. No kidding. No kidding. Um, other games to uh, look at around the uh, NFL this weekend with uh, with playoff implications. Titans uh, taking on the Texans. Uh, we mentioned the Texans have been awful this year, but they've made things interesting with teams. The Titans, uh, as of late, have played really bad. They've lost, uh, what is it now, four in a row here. Tom, on paper, the Titans have no reason to be losing to the Texans. But on a four-game losing streak, I don't know what to expect. And no Ryan Tannehill either. That's a, that's a total trap game for Tennessee. Hey, listen, the Titans have not been playing bad. Uh, they've gotten the, the kind of the shake happy. 
You don't think they've been playing bad? They lost four in a row. Well, I mean, they they lose to the Chiefs. That was super close. And then the game before, they've lost to... Four in a row. They've lost to the Chargers, the Jags, the Eagles, and the Bengals. The Texans... Oh, well, the Texans. We're talking about the Texans? I said Titans. You said Titans. Oh, oh, okay. So, I mean, listen... The Titans can still do things, but I'd also like to talk about the Texans later on. But the Titans still could. Um, we've talked about it before here on the show on how good a coach Mike Vrabel is. I think they're kind of an any given Sunday team. Um, and I think something's got to turn around for them. So I won't doubt them this week. We'll see. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Giants taking on the uh, Vikings. That's going to be a game that uh, Bo and I will pick coming up later on. Vikings with a historic comeback win last week. The Giants get by in a close game against the Commanders. Uh, both these teams fighting for playoff seed at this point in time. Tom, uh, this one I could see really going either way here. I mean, absolutely, like – you know, with the Vikings, they have so many playmakers and there's so many people that do believe and don't believe in Kirk Cousins. Um, I am a – Jones, I don't know how you believe. I am a slow believer in Kirk Cousins, so I think the Vikings get it done. Yeah. Uh, I lean towards the Vikings here um, and the difference – for me, is the quarterback position. I'll take Kirk Cousins over Daniel Jones any day. And I still think that, you know, you hear Bo say all the time, every time Kirk Cousins cashes a paycheck, he's still in money. I still think Kurt's overpaid. Uh, he's a good quarterback, but he's not an elite quarterback like he get, gets paid for. But I'll still take him over Danny Dimes any day. And, and, a win like that, I mean, Tom, there's just something about this Vikings team over the years. The, the the win against the Bills was magical this year. We know about the Minneapolis miracle a few years back. This team just has something about them, the way that they can find a way to win these, these close clutch games. And when it comes playoff time, that might be a team that could really shock some people. They might get give the Eagles – the best chance of uh, uh, of taking an L in the postseason because they, whether it's fate, whatever it may be, they know how to win these clutch games. I mean, yeah, they definitely do. Um, you know, it's <clears throat> it's kind of been on display all year, but we haven't really seen the – we haven't really got the chance to get concrete evidence, right? And now I think – it's becoming more evident in terms of what we see, but um, you know, that, that goes not, that really goes for the whole NFC East. Um, you know, if, you know how good the Eagles have been. We get the Jalen hurts. It's kind of hurt. Uh, no pun intended. We also get the Dallas chokes uh, on routine and wouldn't be surprised there either. But um, <clears throat> you know, when we look at the NFC playoff picture while it's not as strong as in normal years we also get that same vibe of okay well the top seed might not dominate like we think they are 
Um, it's the parity is a little bit closer than what we might be used to. Um, so I, I, I think the playoff this year is going to be every bit more, not necessarily, I wouldn't call it inclusive, but I would call it interesting. Uh, that, that, that would be my term, um, for the upcoming playoff in the NFC, you know, AFC might be a little different, but, um, you know, the thing about NFL thing about how I love the playoff atmosphere is that every game is going to be interesting. Um, but I, I think this year in the AFC, it's going to be a little bit more special. I think so. I think so for sure. Um, other games to look at the Bengals and the Patriots. Right. Bengals are red hot. They're 10 and four. I don't think they're very far off from the Bills and the Chiefs, honestly. Uh, meanwhile, the Patriots, Patriots have a shot to make the postseason, but they keep getting in their own team's way. I feel bad for Mac Jones. I mean, what the hell were they doing last week with those laterals uh, that ended up in Channel Jones's hands to go get that win for the Raiders? Or the week prior, we saw Mac Jones all pissed off about – all the screen passes that Matt Patricia was calling. Um, it sounds weird to say with a Belichick coach team, but the coaching staff is holding New England back. Belichick did an awful job hiring Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to run that offense, and that's the biggest problem with New England right now. The Patriots should be a better team what they are if they just had a competent uh, offensive staff done. I mean, yeah, I mean – Mac Jones is not a bad quarterback. Um, and I think he's kind of being um, scapegoated into, into one. You know, he's he's been – you know, it's hard when you say, okay, well, we had Brady and he did this and this and this. Well, you have Mac Jones now, and he's he, he could be a lot worse. Um, and he's, you know, doing things that – you know, he's making a few mistakes, but at the end of the day, you know, you could be the Raiders, granted that you lost to them, but it wasn't Derek Carr that made that difference. Um, you know, if uh, Jones would be interested, would you take Mac Jones or would you take Derek Carr to start a franchise? Right now, all things equal, age and everything, like their ages are the same what they are? Yep. I'd take Mac Jones right now. I mean, I'd probably have to. You know, I I don't dislike Derek Carr, but if you look at who Mac Jones has, who Derek Carr has, you have fuck. Uh, granted, granted, Darren Waller's been injured, um, and I'm going to be profane here. You have fucking Devonte Adams, and you have fucking Darren Waller, and you're this bad. Give Mac Jones, Darren, and Devontae. And this Patriots team is, you know, got to be better than the Jets. And and damn near probably up there with Miami. And, you know, maybe not Super Bowl contention, but, but a lot better than they are right now. I think Mac Jones would do a lot more with Darren Waller and with Devontae Adams than what Derek Carr has. And that, that might be on Josh McDaniels. But he's a, you know, he's a student of Bill Belichick, so I don't want to hear that many excuses. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point uh, on that front. 
Lions and a Panthers. Uh, Panthers not technically out in the AFC South race. Uh, meanwhile, the Lions at 7-7. Seven seven. They are red hot right now, this Lions team is, and they are just on the outside looking in as far as making this playoffs go. And Jared Goff's playing arguably the best football of his career right now. Watch out, that Lions team. Uh, I would not want to be playing Detroit right now, Tom. No, neither would I. They went from what one and six or one and seven to seven and seven. Um, I've always been a believer in Dan Campbell. You can go back and listen to shows. I've told you how much I like Dan Campbell. I was always waiting for something to click. Um, and obviously, I'm a decent Jared Goff fan. Um, even if he had he had to move teams, so. Uh, the lines have always been tough. They've been a tough out. They've been tough where maybe you see the Texans team play the Chiefs tough and you see the Texans team play Dallas tough. Where they couldn't get the job done, the Lions are starting to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I'm a Lions fan from here on out. They, they have every bit of right to that division that the Vikings do right now. Yeah. Yeah, they just beat the Vikings uh, a couple weeks ago. So exactly, and, and and not only beat them, kind of spanked that little ass. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Falcons taking on the Ravens. Falcons not out in the AFC South race. Meanwhile, the Ravens um, quarterback situation looks a little wonky. They're trying to get Lamar Jackson back this week. Tyler Huntley's status is unknown either. He didn't look good last week. And then on top of that. You lose Devin Duvernay to injury this week. Sign Sammy Watkins from Green Bay. Um, all that's gone wrong has gone wrong on the injury front for Baltimore, and yet they're still nine and five. Tom, if that Baltimore team was healthy, they would be arguably the best team in the AFC. I mean, all that has gone wrong has gone wrong for that team this year. It's amazing they're sitting here at nine and five. No, it is, but you know what you know what I love about the Ravens? They're always resilient. It's one of those AFC teams that that always somehow finds a way with whoever they're dealt. And Lamar's great. This is not taking away from Lamar at all. Um, I mean, they'd much rather have Lamar, but <clears throat> listen, I think Tyler Huntley could have the coming out party on the right team the same way that Geno Smith had his coming out party this year. Tyler Huntley, I would I would love to have him as a backup. He he might be. I don't. I, can you call Gino a backup anymore? No. Okay, so who's the Dick's best backup in the league? Um, I would have said Tyler Huntley a couple weeks ago, but he hasn't played that great. But I mean, okay, is, oh, that's fair. Fair. He hasn't played that great, but last year I feel like he played pretty well. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've seen, obviously my team has played backup, um, and Wolford and Perkins and now Baker Mayfield for the Rams. Um, Tyler Huntley has done enough even last year to deserve that. Hey, we trust enough in you to win games because he did it last year, um, and, and played really well. So he has that ability. He can do it. Um, can he lead him to a Super Bowl? No, but can he play well enough to, you know, you got the Steelers who are down bad. 
Got the Browns who are down bad. Ravens are doing okay. And um, you have the Bengals who have Joe Burrow who are defending AFC champions. So you have that going against you. But you want to draw it anywhere else, you can make a wild card out of the Ravens. And, and I think Tyler Huntley can get them there. He can't finish the job. That's going to be a Lamar thing. But I don't distrust him to let the season fall to shit. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, you got to do better than what they did last week, only scoring three points. You're um, right. You're right. 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 I mean, Nick Foles, I could trust out there to go get me 10 points. I mean, come well, on. Well, we're going we're gonna to find out with the Colts this weekend, too. Yeah. We'll talk about them later. Commanders and 49ers. The Commanders, uh, heartbreaking loss last week against the Giants. They're still fighting for their playoff lives. Meanwhile, the 49ers are as hot as any team in football right now. Brock Purdy looks really good. I love what I've seen from Brock Purdy. He might even be better than Trey Lance. No cap, in all honesty. That might be the quarterback for the future for the 49ers. It might be Brock Purdy, as far as I'm concerned. And I mean, you can only get so hard. You look at this 49ers team, the way that they're playing – and the way that McCaffrey has emerged, watch out. Uh, the 49ers are dangerous right now. And their defense, their defense is the best in the NFL right now, too. I mean, the 49ers got a lot going for them. Uh, and, you know, for, for Shanahan, it almost doesn't even matter who the quarterback is. They find a way to win football games, Tom. Isn't that horrible? Isn't that horrible? They've had Trey Lance, which, you know, you mentioned Trey Lance and you mentioned the talents of Trey Lance. He has not really got to show a whole lot or have that much consistency. And the 49ers have found a way to win with, um, you know, with Jimmy G. And if you want to look back on trades made, one of the best trades that the 49ers, at least for this season, could have made has been for Christian McCaffrey. He's changed the whole game for them. And you could argue that he's changed the whole season. He, You could say that he is the reason that they're going to win the NFC West or have already. Um, and then you, you, you take out Jimmy G, gets hurt. And then Mr. Irrelevant comes in. Your boy, Brock Purdy, you, you're, I mean, you, for you, Jones, you almost got to go to the bathroom and relieve yourself uh, when talking Man, how about. How can you not be happy for the guy? What a great story! No, I'm. Hey, listen, I'm happy for him. I hate that he's in my division, in my team's division, just because he was in my team's league in the Big Twelve, and had to. I had to deal with Brocktober, and so now I have to deal with Brock every season. I, you know, for me, I hope Aaron Donald goes back there and rips his head off, but. Um, he's he's been doing well. How can you, you know? And it'd be different if he got drafted in the third round. I am happy for Brock Purdy because he was drafted as Mister Irrelevant and is now showing that he can play in this league. But which we which we saw at Iowa State, we always knew he could play in this league. You know, and and for freaking Brock Purdy, you have a tight end like Greg Kittle, George and Kittle, you yeah. have yeah uh, yeah you have Kittle. And at that point, you know, you want to replace, you know, if you say, okay, well, who's equivalent to Charlie Kolar? Okay, well, <laughs> Kittle's a pretty nice replacement. 
Yeah, both uh, both are from Norman. Yeah, exactly. And then you want to say, well, okay, well, you know, Brock Purdy had Hutchinson and Brees Hall, uh, you know, at, at Iowa State. Well, oh, well, what kind of replacement is uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk? Right. That's a pretty that's that's a pretty good consolation prize. If yeah, you I mean Brock he's running back. sitting there saying to himself, he's like, Man, let's go Brandon. I mean, yeah, he's got more weapons uh than he had before. And we've seen what he could do at Iowa State. He you know, you could almost say he made Matt Campbell into the coach that he is. Um, and not a whole lot of people believed in him and you know, easy Mr. Irrelevant, but uh damn it's hard not to root for him. Um, because of his draft position, uh, you know, as much as I hated him in college and now he's in my team's division, it's easy to root against him. But at the same time, it's like, damn, how can you not root for a little Cinderella story here? Yeah. I know you love it. You love Brock Tober. No, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for you to buy a Jersey. I'm ready to, for you to call Amy Smith. Um, the hard part is just, I, I, I can't get away with wearing a Niners Jersey. Yeah, no, trust me. I never could, even if I was a Ranger. Literally about any team outside the NFC West, um, I think my employer would be okay. But I, I don't I don't know if that would fly, me wearing a Niners jersey. Um, Eagles and Cowboys, Jalen Hurts is injured. His status unknown. He's unlikely to play Sunday or uh, Saturday, but he hasn't been ruled out yet. Gardner Minshew likely would get the start uh, at that point. Cowboys are five-point favorites. We'll pick that game coming up later. But what I wonder here, Tom, what type of Philly team are we going to see? If Jalen doesn't play, do they still go all out and show all their cards and for a matchup they potentially could have here in a couple weeks? Or do they kind of hold back a bit uh, and keep it pretty vanilla here? I wonder what their approach is. It's still a rivalry game, division game and all that the best that the Cowboys and, and Eagles have been combined in a long time. But how much do they actually show here, especially if Jalen uh, is not going to play? Where's the game at? It's in Dallas. I mean, whew. that's a pretty big one. And there's, you know, it's not just wild card and division first place on the line. You know, both these teams are, in a way, threats for the first round by, and you know, in somewhat capacity. Right. Uh, I've also heard Jalen Hurts will play. I've also heard that he will not play. Um, I mean, the onus lies not with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. The onus lies what kind of game we're going to get with the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll see. A couple more games to uh, run through here. Packers and uh, Dolphins. Packers technically not out of the playoff picture. The Dolphins at 8-6. and six, They lose a close one on the road at Buffalo in the snow last week. Came down to the last second field goal. Tom, I'm not one for moral victories, but I was impressed with the Dolphins last week for them to, all things considered, go toe-to-toe and have a chance to beat the Bills like they did last week. Uh, the Dolphins are a good football team. We know they're explosive. I wouldn't want to be playing Miami in the postseason right now. 
Oh, no, absolutely not. And, you know, if that game is in Miami, I'm not ruling. You know, I think, I think, well, you know, the game was in Buffalo and I thought it could have gone either way. If that game's in Miami, if you want to do a coin flip, then, you know, give the Dolphins the game in Miami. I mean, they're tough. They are tough. Uh, and, you know, I think they're a force to be reckoned with. That's not a team you want to face in the postseason, especially not in Miami. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, Bucks and uh, Cardinals on uh, on Sunday night football. Uh, the Bucks. They're leading the division race, but they haven't looked good. And, you know, we'll talk more about this when, when Steve Weiss joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. But, Tom, every time I watch the Bucks play, it's like, man, they're probably still going to make the playoffs, but this isn't fun anymore. Like, I'm not – other than that Saints comeback win, I'm not turning on the TV and getting excited to watch Tom Brady and the Bucks play. I mean, this is starting to get a little sad now. I mean, thank God. You know, it's about fucking time. Um, I'm sick of Tom Brady. He should have retired. He should have went out. You know, arguably, he should have had the foresight to go out on top, kind of uh, like Jerome Bettis did in Heinz Ward. And, you know, he should have went out on top and decided not to and, you know, got greedy. And now, you know, if he's in any other division, he's taking the – the shit pipe to the face and, and dealing with missing the playoffs. So, you know, if the Bucks miss the playoffs, you know, Dunzo, you know, you can't, you know, for him, he should have went out on top or, you know, at least last year you make the division around and, you know, give the Rams a run for the money like they did and Rams end up winning it. And, you know, at what point does it, okay, it costs you your kids and your marriage. And now you're with the Bucks with Todd Bowles shit in the bed, you know. I mean, that's not a Super Bowl team. I mean, granted, they've had some injuries, sure. But that's not a Super Bowl team. I mean, the only team that I could see them beating in the playoffs would be Dallas, and because that's Dallas is so used to Choke City. Right. And they've had being Dallas before, but I mean they could lose to Detroit, Seattle, Washington. I mean the Giants. They don't have the fight. Yeah, they don't have the want to. I'm sure Brady does. The rest of the team's trying to go to Cancun, baby. Yeah, it's pretty. Sad. I mean, I don't believe in the Bucks at all. Um, last one here: Chargers and uh, Colts. Chargers are a hot mess in their own right. Jeff Saturday, the Jeff Saturday experiment just hasn't worked. Uh, they got a lot of issues. But you look at that Chargers team. They're sitting at eight and six. They're finally getting healthy. And they have won four in a row. They're playing really good football right now. Tom, I, I would go as far to say that not only are the Chargers, you know, a sneaky team and somebody I would not want to face in the playoffs with them just now getting healthy and on this winning streak, the way they're playing, I'm not rolling them out as a Super Bowl contender. I think Chargers could still win the AFC. Yeah, well, you know, I, I uh, appreciate your uh, 
confidence in uh, your favorite team's division rivalry, but <laughs> they, you know, they could. I mean, it is Justin Herbert. Um, I do think now that the Chargers aren't as good, Brandon Staley's is still a pretty good coach. Um, you know, I think that Herbert's one of those quarterbacks that's up there with with Mahomes and with Josh Allen and with Burrow. And a lot of people are saying that Hertz isn't up there. Hertz is taking a step forward. So I'm going to put him up there. I think Herbert's kind of one of those guys that's forgotten about that can still win a game by himself, if that makes sense. Like he can, he can go out and, and he can go out there and dad dick your mom. <laughs> and, and no, I mean, and it's funny. It's fuck yeah, it's hilarious. But he can still go ahead and go out there and dad dick you and win the game. And you're like, well, well he's just a lucky son of a bitch or, well, fuck him. Well, yeah, fuck him, but he still won the game. He's he's good enough to do that. Yeah, he's, he's every bit as good enough to do that. It just depends on the game. He's like if he's like if Derek Carr um, got better, and yeah. and he's doing and Herbert's doing it with less. Yeah, arguably, you know, he's doing it with Gerald Everett and uh, ever for so long injured Keenan Allen. Yeah, so I mean. He can do it. Do I think he's going to win the AFC? No. But he could do it. Um, he, he can definitely upset your team's hopes. He can make you spend $100 at the bar. I'll say this. I would be less surprised if the Chargers find a way to win the AFC this year than I would have of the Bengals winning it last year. Uh, that's fair. But, but the Chargers have a – the Chargers have a defense, and they're led by a guy named Brandon Staley, who led the good Rams defense. They are underachieving now, so if they do achieve what we thought they could, it should be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be shocked if it's the Bills-Chargers AFC Championship game. Yeah, we need to have it. Uh, we'll get to our Big 12 breakdown here in uh, just a moment. Also got... Steve Weish on deck, as well as their coach Bo on the other side as well. And in our Big 12 breakdown this week, uh, we're also going to preview the college football playoff national champ uh, semifinals and uh, look at the Big 12 bowl games as well. So all that more coming up uh, right now here on the Jones Report. It is the Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones, Tyler Chris is here with you with a look around at the Big 12 conference and as we do each and every week, we begin with our hot takes. Tom Bowl season, the Big 12. Get started tonight with Baylor and Air Force. What is your uh, hot take uh, in the league this week with bowl season here, transfer portal, recruiting uh, and full swing? A uh, lot of different directions you go in this one. Where are you going to start? Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know how to take this hot take approach because, you know, um, OU has been previously riddled by the transfer portal. Portal, you see, OSU is getting riddled with it now. Um, but I've also seen a lot of praise in OSU's way, um, doing very well with the transfer portal. You haven't heard a whole lot from any other Big Twelve team. Well, You're the, the big talk has been how well Texas Tech won on the recruiting trail. Yeah, and, and, you know, you can attribute, I think, a lot of that to Joey McGuire. 
and and a lot of that to okay well we can get better in positions and 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 those players that would commit to tech can start immediately you know they're they have they have had players you know even even last year they've had players that you know could you know they could fill those positions with better players um but the players they did have performed well even even under bad circumstances, like if if you had to pick a Big Twelve team that overperformed this season, I would probably pick Tech. I'd pick you. Know, it, it would it would well it would be easy to pick K State, and it would be easy to pick K State or TCU. But from a if you don't want to pick the championship game, you know you could you could say Tech was a little bit better than I thought they would be. Yeah, you know, surely K State overperformed, and and as far as TCU goes, once they don't have Max Duggan, Max Duggan was the difference maker. I don't care who you talk to. Um, he, he Max Duggan was a Heisman candidate for a reason. He led that team without Max Duggan. If that was Chandler Morris, and no shade on Chandler Morris, no shade at all. But if that had been Chandler Morris, if that injury wouldn't have happened. TCU has a, a a way different season, I think. My my hot take, I'll, I'll stay with T, I'll I'll go the TCU route here, Tom. Uh, Max Duggan declared for the draft this week. Um, I think he's going to regret leaving early. I don't think Max Duggan's an NFL quarterback. I don't think he's a good enough passer. Did he? Did uh, he have one more? He has one more year eligibility. He's got potentially two more. Uh, wow. And but he's already graduated, but he's going pro. Um, I look at what TCU's got and what they're going to bring back next year. I think TCU's going to be very good again. And if I'm Max Duggan, you got a chance to get some serious NIL money and be a star on campus there in Fort Worth. I think I think he's making a mistake because uh, I, I just don't see Max Duggan as being a very good NFL quarterback. I mean, I I can see both sides. I can see where you're coming from, but I also can see him taking the Heisman candidate stock and rolling with it because what's, what's his name? Um, you know, it sounds bad for me when I say what's his name, the, uh, the, uh, dreadheaded, redheaded wide receiver, um, for TCU has been kind of, kind of what it was for, um, you know, kind of what it was for Spencer Sanders. Um, Tylen Wallace was a security blanket. This other cat from TCU. Quinn Johnson. Who? Quinn Johnson. Yeah, Quinn Johnson. He's 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 gonna he's be a top fifteen pick. Exactly. And so he's gonna go. And so I can see TCU still being great. But this year has been ca- like kind of cap like magic in a bottle. So yeah. I don't know. I I, I see where you're coming from where it says okay max duggan could be better but it's like can can max duggan be better than this year again i don't think max duggan without quentin johnson is in the heisman candidacy well okay so without knowing what we now know of how this season has gone for brock purdy with the niners if i would have told you last year you can pick one to be your nfl quarterback for the future Max Duggan or Brock or Brock Purdy? Who are you going with? I'm going with Brock every time. Well, sure you go. You sure you go with Brock. Sure you go with Brock. I mean, 
can can Max Duggan not be the Brock Purdy? And can like if where would you okay, so like think about I'll be honest, like I said, Max is a very good college quarterback, but he's not that great of a passer. I, I wouldn't give him any higher than a fourth round grade at best. So so if you cover Seattle, you know, you're a Chiefs fan, but you cover Seattle. If Seattle drafted him as Mr. Irrelevant, Max Duggan, would you be mad? No, not at the seventh round. I mean, you're like, okay. So you're going to let him compete for a roster spot. But if they use like a third round or higher, I'd be like, what the hell? I'd say fourth or fifth round is fair. Um, but where would you have put Brock Purdy? Uh, I would have taken uh, maybe even up to a third, at least a fourth on Brock. Well, so credit to the 49ers, but maybe not even credit to them. They just kind of had to, at that point, I, 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 you know, neither of us are NFL GM, so I don't know the insider, but at that point, if they didn't draft him, then he could have just signed with any team. Right. You know, and, and if nobody other team drafted him, then it's like, well, okay, well. Right. You know, I, I think 49ers just kind of were like, well, fuck it. We might as well. Let's look at these uh, semifinals now. Let's begin with TCU and Michigan. Michigan's heavy favorites uh, by about seven and a half points. And, you know, Michigan's been undefeated. They've had a really good year. They're physical. They run the football well. J.J. McCarthy's turned into a really good quarterback as well. they got a really good defense. Jim Harbaugh's done a great job coaching that team. But, Tom, I, I look at, at TCU. The, these guys are fighters. I mean, you know, they, they don't go down without a fight. And we know that they can put up points offensively. They've been a very physical football team. I think Michigan wins the game, but I think TCU has a fighting chance in this one. I would be surprised if Michigan just blows the doors off TCU. I think TCU's got too much pride to not go toe-to-toe with this Michigan team as much as they can. I think this is no, one where Michigan closes it out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because I think TCU can score with Michigan. I, you know, granted, Ohio State kind of shit the bed against them. But if you look at the other opponents, I don't think anybody gets close to a TCU-style offense. And I, I think being a Big 12 team and being how good TCU has been able to score, um, I think TCU will be able to score. I, I don't – I think Michigan does win. I don't think it's by more than seven and a half. Um, I think that I, – I, to be honest, I think – Jones, and you can agree with me or disagree with me. I think seven and a half is a little slap in the face to TCU. Oh, it absolutely. Uh, be, be very interested. I, I mean, I think Sonny Dykes is a great coach, obviously. I, You know, I thought Sonny Dykes was a great hire for TCU before he even went on an un, undefeated streak. Um, you know, I it, he, he was he – was, Essentially, the right hire for the right job. TCU is still a small school. Sonny Dykes comes from SMU, same area, same recruiting trail, kind of. Um, great hire for them, and it worked out. And I don't know if he'll have the kind of Dave Aranda down year next year. You know, Max Duggan leaving, Quinn Johnson leaving. You'll have some – they had a lot of seniors. But I, I'm not saying – I'm not going to – I'm be hard pressed to say, hey, Michigan's a seven and a half point favorite better than TCU. No, I think it's more like three and a half. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. 
Um, that other semifinal, Georgia and Ohio State. Georgia is so good. I don't think they're as good as they were a year ago, but the defense is there. Stetson Bennett's improved. The offense has been awesome. Todd Munkin's doing a great job calling the plays there. And then on the other side for Ohio State, you had that one blemish against Michigan, but it's going to be 45 days between games for them. I think they're going to have a lot of time to reflect. And I, I, I just wonder what you know, Georgia, all the, the cards say Georgia should win this game. But, you know, you got an NFL quarterback in Ohio State's in with C.J. Stroud. If, if C.J. Stroud has a put a team on, on my back performance, then they got a shot. But to me, that's what it comes down to. The only shot Ohio State has is if C.J. Stroud basically has his Heisman moment after the Heisman. If if he can come through, if he can show that dog in him, no pun intended, uh, that we've been really waiting to see all year. C.J. Stroud, we know he's talented, but he hasn't put it all together yet like, he's, like he should have. Now's a great time, and they, they've had plenty of time to get ready for this game. I mean, that game is what in Atlanta. Yeah, I you know if it if it was going to be a team to do it, I think I would choose Georgia. I think if Georgia wins this game, and I I'm not alone in this. I can tell you, I'm not alone in this. I think if Georgia wins this game, that I I think the Georgia Ohio State game will be better than if Georgia wins and faces a TCU or Michigan. Oh, I think the best scenario would be a Georgia-Michigan national title game. I mean, it could be very good, but, you know, I, I do think that, that Ohio State has a fighting chance. This isn't just a – this isn't just a normal one-and-four matchup, I don't think. What, where, would be, what do you think is going to be the better matchup between the two games? Who do I think? Yeah, what's the better matchup between the two? Hmm. It's very hard because I think TCU Michigan, while might not be talent wise the best on the field, I think it's going to be a closer game. Yeah, like I do feel like I feel more confident in TCU beating Michigan than I do Ohio State beating Georgia. Okay, yeah, I, I think I would agree to that. Like, I think both teams have a chance saying I think TCU could win. I think Ohio State could win. But I feel more confident in saying TCU will beat Michigan than I do saying, you know, Ohio State will beat Georgia. Right. Yeah, I get that. Let's uh, look at the other uh, just real quickly here. Let's go through these real fast, the Big 12 ball games. Baylor and Air Force. Uh, Air Force is 9-3. Baylor 6-6. Six six. Um Baylor, you can't be losing to a service academy. Don't no disrespect to Air Force here, but Dave Aranda in in the gang, if uh if you got anything left this season, just whatever you do. I know it's been a disappointing year for the Bears, but don't go out with a losing record and lose to a service academy. Can't let that happen. No, I don't think they will either. You know, I trust Dave Aranda. And it's it's kind of been hard for him to kind of figure things out and, uh, you know, take it in stride. You come off winning the Big 12 championship, you lose all these people. You know, it's 
it's it's not easy to take criticism after you lose all these people and you win the Big Twelve championship. It's it's kind of prisoner of the moment. How soon you forget as a fan. You know, we can't all have success like OU. You can't all win eight straight. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin taking on Oklahoma State. This game is very hard to figure out because both teams have lost a lot of guys to the portal who are not going to play. Wisconsin's got a new head coach and uh, Luke Fickle coming in next year. They're going with an interim coach for this game. And we know what OSU has been through with Spencer Sanders and company, you know, leaving and all the guys that they've lost here. Um, this is, this is just brutal. This is not uh this is not a friendly matchup. Let's put it that way for, for either one of these teams. It, it, I don't think either one of these teams even want to be there to be quite honest with you on Tuesday night. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I don't even, to be honest, as an OSU fan, I don't even want to watch it. Yeah. You know why? What what good does it do me to watch this game? No Spencer Sanders. You know, both teams are dealing with the transfer portal. Wisconsin doesn't even have their main quarterback. And they have their head coach. Exactly. So I mean, you know, it's kind of like a I mean, every bowl game is an exhibition matchup, somewhat. But when you look at the true definition of exhibition, this is the most exhibition game of the bowl season. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, a day later, Kansas and Arkansas, the battle for Arkansas uh, between these two in the Liberty Bowl. Kansas, a lot of excitement. They've sold out their allotment of tickets. Arkansas, I imagine, will have a lot of fans there playing right in their own backyard there in Memphis. Um both teams trying to finish the season with a winning record here. Uh, first bowl game for Kansas in you know since two thousand eight. Uh, KU's not did not finish the season well. Neither did Arkansas here. Tom, uh, I think this one is is very different from that Wisconsin Oklahoma State game. I think both these teams are, are should be hyped and excited about this game here uh, coming up on uh, Wednesday. Kansas definitely should be. You'll be there, yeah. I will be there. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm excited for you. Have you figured out the hotel situation? Uh, situation? I got a few more things to book, but I got my game ticket and all that taken care of. There you go. I'm ex- I'm I'm excited for KU, but I'm more to be honest with you, I'm excited for you. Um I mean, I think it's going to be a good game and I'll be wearing the red and blue. I'll be doing the rock shock. I'll be doing all of it. Um because definitely you want to beat Arkansas and you know, I think it's I, for Kansas, same for Arkansas too, to try to go out with a winning record. I mean, no, for sure that too. Especially like you want to say, okay, so KU didn't have high expectations coming in, right? They had, they had. To be honest with you, from an outside perspective, it seemed like they said, okay, if we can do better than last season. That's a win, right? That's a win for Arkansas. I don't know, you know, like I said, how soon you forget. Arkansas, from what I heard from outside sources this year, this was supposed to be their year. Like, this was supposed to be, you know, woo pig sue. You know, this is – we're doing way better than we should. Like, this should be the year to do it or to to make some big noise. And they shit the bed. 
um, in true Arkansas fashion. So, you know, KU is riding high. Arkansas is probably thinking, hey, we could have done a little bit better. But I don't think Arkansas wants to lose to KU. I, I would have rather had KU versus Mizzou in the bowl game that could have been. Um, I think a lot of people thought that. But, damn it, if, if you know, I think KU is, is probably wants it a little bit more right now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, speaking of wanting more, Tech and Ole Miss. Ole Miss stumbles into the Texas Bowl at 8-4, and four, and Texas Tech comes off their best season in a long time at 7-5. and five. And there should be a lot of Tech fans there, this game in Houston and everything here. Tom, uh, what an exciting finish potentially for Texas Tech. And, and uh, it'll be really cool to see what that – what that school and those fans do for the first game since the passing of Mike Leach. Yeah, I think, I think this should be a, a classic. Um, and I, I, I highly expect I'd be very disappointed if they didn't do, uh, if they didn't go all out for Mike Leach, man, they should, you know, Mike Leach is in a Nick Saban type coach. He isn't just some legendary guy. He's, he's legendary in his own right. But he's not legendary in the fact that oh he won Nick Saban championships. He didn't, you know, he didn't just win some crazy bowl game. He didn't, you know, the way he changed the game was obviously air raid offense. But he wasn't to the average fan that you know you might think if you're an average fan, you might think well why are we bitching and crying over Mike Leach? which, you know, you'd be sadly mistaken to know that Mike Leach is more important to college football than, than probably your favorite coach. Um, not only in his ideologies, but just in his, um, you know, like candidacy, almost like, you know, he's, he's very candid. He was always very candid. And, uh, you know, and if you had any question against that, you could just talk to college football reporter Alyssa Lang. And, and realized how, you know, any of his takes were just very candidate, you know. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And, and so. It's going to be fun for sure. Uh, can, it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, then a few more Big 12 bowl games. Oklahoma taking on Florida State. Sooners are at 6-6. Six and six. Florida State at 9-3. 13th ranked team in the country. Battle for the Cheez-Its. Tom, uh, that OU team. I felt like they were a lot better at the end of the year than they were at the middle part of the season. And, you know, BV going through his first bowl practice and everything. And, you know, they've had a good off season when it comes to recruiting and the portal and everything. Seems to be that there's actually momentum in Norman right now, despite how the season didn't go their way. All that shapes up to be, okay, here's a chance to, you know, go out with a win and build some momentum for next year. One problem they kind of got shafted. There's no reason why OU should be playing a nine and three Florida State team here. That's not a good matchup for Oklahoma, and actually, it's it's kind of unfair to be honest. Well, would you be shocked if OU beat Florida State? I wouldn't be shocked. Florida State's favored by nine. Um, I don't think Mike Norvell is that great of a coach either, um, but I do think it's a bad matchup for the Sooners. Yeah, no, I don't think you're wrong either. Um, I think I think for OU that 
you know, you, you take this match up and you say, well, you know what, if we win, uh, you know, even better. If we lose, no sweat off our back. They're a little bit, they've outmatched us a little bit. I, I think this is one of those games where Florida State has everything to lose and OU has everything to win. So still a little bit of a, uh, in my eyes at least, still a little bit of a thing for OU to say, well, we really can't lose here. If we lose, then you could say, well, we were overmatched. This wasn't fair. If we win, you ride that momentum all the way into next year. They have Jackson Arnold coming in. They get, you know, they're trying to figure it out. They, that, you know, if, if you do worse next year than you did this year for OU standard, then Brent Venables will not be the coach in 2024. Right. Right. I think right. This, I think this is a great chance to, you know, you win, great. You lose, okay, well, we still learned some lessons and, you, well, okay, we kind of got fucked. <laughs> so, you know, for them, it's like, okay, if you lose the bowl, really what does it matter? For Florida State, though, I think you're thinking, you know, you said you don't really believe in Mike Norvell. I think for Florida State, they say, well, we should beat this OU team, but if we don't, then, well, maybe this is shades of the LSU game. We've seen the LSU team end up turning out pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, I think Florida State's going to regret not moving on from Mike Norvell, letting nine wins be enough, and not bringing Dion home when they had the chance. I think that's going to be a, a big mistake for Florida State, as far as I'm concerned. The Alamo Bowl, Texas and Washington. Uh, Penix, the uh, star – Quarterback for Washington that was projected to be uh, at least a second-round pick. He's returning to Washington. He's going to play in this game. Very athletic, good quarterback. Uh, meanwhile, we'll see for this uh, this Texas team. They're at 8-4. We know they're talented. And Quinn Ewers, I feel like, Tom, now that Arch Manning signed the dotted line, we know officially he's coming to Austin next year. If I'm Quinn Ewers – I'm looking behind me because we know Arch is right there and ready to, to take that job the moment that, that Quinn Ewers starts to crack here. I think not only does Texas need to win this game to finish the season out strong, I think Quinn Ewers needs to play well to, to, to silence the, the doubters a little bit here. If he struggles, you know what everybody's going to be talking about, about how there should be a quarterback competition in Austin. I mean, even I mean, shit. If even even if he wins, you know, Jack, you know, Arch Manning comes in. You know, you've got that last name. You've got all the hype behind you. It's you know, it, as good as Quinn Ewers would have been or could have been, he if he stays in and stays healthy the whole game, Texas beats Alabama. And Alabama had a down year in terms of Alabama standards, but. Even, I don't care who you are. If you beat Alabama, even on somewhat of a down year, that's still a program win. And they could have done it, and they should have done it. Um, you know, Hudson Card has moved on, and they're still – this Texas team has a long way to go, and Sark is still trying to figure things out. But, you know, damn it, if, you know, if Arch Manning – you know, maybe he's not the quarterback they thought he was. Maybe he can't be the best of the best right out of the gate. But I wouldn't blame Quinn Ewers if he decided to transfer, decided to get the hell out of there, knowing that he wasn't the guy going forward. Yeah, we'll see. 
Uh, and then last one, Alabama and K-State. Tom, I think a couple weeks ago you picked K-State for the upset. But since then, Bryce Young and Will Anderson both said they're going to play. Nobody is opting out from this Alabama team. We know Young and Anderson are going to the draft, but it sounds like these guys want to go out on a high note. I don't feel good for the Cats at all about this matchup, knowing those circumstances. You know, I still do. I'm going to take the Cats, I'm telling you right now. I'm taking, I'm taking Purple Kitty to pull the upset the same way that Trevor Knight and OU did. I'm taking I think New Orleans. I think Will Anderson is going to eat uh, Will Howard's lunch. He very well might, he, and I believe he can have a day. But I still think at the end of the day, Purple Kitty's coming out on top. Okay. All right. Uh, there you have it there. Last thing on the uh, Big 12 front, then we'll move on here. Uh, momentum seems to be building according to – Reports from CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd and Brett McMurphy to an early exit for OU and Texas out of the Big 12 that this next season could be their final year in the league. And the driving force seems to be uh, the additions of Cincinnati, UCF, uh, BYU, and Houston to the league that Oklahoma and Texas were very much opposed to. And, you know, them going forward with this, and that they don't want to share space with those guys. And there's still a lot of stuff that needs to be worked out as far as TV contracts go. But one interesting element that I, I found in all this, we talked about this last week, Tom, but I'll kind of add to it to the new development since we last talked about this, was that Fox still wants their inventory. Because when OU and Texas go to the SEC, then Fox doesn't have any more OU Texas games because they're not in the SEC contract. So one thing that's being discussed potentially is that OU and Texas guarantee to play some non-conference games against Big 12 schools. And that might end up saving Bedlam or Texas and Texas Tech potentially. Tech has made it known they still want to play UT in the future and want to keep that rivalry going. Um Tom, if they can finagle, if they can make that work, at this point, do you want Bedlam to continue if OU and OSU are in separate leagues? Do you want them to try to work something out, or would you rather them just be on their way and be done with the Sooners? No, I'd rather them be on their way and be done. It doesn't do any. It doesn't do OSU any favors to continue Bedlam. Um, and I don't. Even, I don't. I don't even have to say why. Because you yeah. know it's a it's it's a fucking scheduled loss. I hate to say that as an OSU fan, but you know, fucking. Would you even want OU and OSU to still be playing Big Twelve teams in that type of arrangement? I mean, yeah, hell, fucking at this point, have OU play K State every year the way it's going. <laughs> you know, like let's be honest, like I'm not gonna, you know, if if if. OSU can play, let's say, put TCU in there instead of OU, then I have a lot better feeling that OSU will probably beat TCU if Mike Gundy's in charge still than they would have against OU, even even in a year like this year. Like, there's no reason that OSU shouldn't have had a better shot at OU this year, even than last year, you know? 
and it's 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 one of those mind game bullshit. So, you know, don't don't reward OU. Don't do it. I think they should have to. You know, if if instead of OSU they get Furman that week, then well, you know, so be it. Um, I, I think o, OSU would be stupid to say, you know what? Well, the ratings are good. Let's just go ahead and play. No, nah. you know, I you know we we've seen the position that uh, Doctor Strom for OSU has taken in terms of playing them again. We have seen the position that even Dr. Shrums, and if you're not familiar, Dr. Shrums, saying the president of OSU now, uh, her husband has taken on Bedlam. And we've seen the position of a lot of other people take on Bedlam uh, that are OSU inclined. Uh, I, I wouldn't give them any chance. I just, I think it's stupid. I mean, now, let me say this. What, how does it make you feel, Tom? that Tech is actively pushing to keep playing Texas and wants to keep that series going, but OSU is not doing the same for OU. Are those situations apples to apples? Uh, you know, I would, I would much rather if they said, hey, you want to look at the history. You want to look at the history. Tech and Texas have been playing for 100 years. If, if OSU, they say, well, listen, you get to pick one, you can keep Bedlam going or you can still keep the home and home with Texas going, I would much rather – I'd be the first person to tell you that I'd rather have the home and home with Texas keep going than I would with Bedlam. OSU doesn't have that, that Bedlam complex with – Texas that they do with OU. But that's not, um, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking is the situation apples to apples that Texas Tech wants to keep playing Texas, but OSU doesn't want to keep playing OU. Is that apples to apples, those situations? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. I mean, look at, look at Tech. Tech hasn't had great success they haven't had they haven't been one game away like OSU has with OU. They've you know for them, Texas Texas is essentially is doing Texas is doing tech a service playing them because Texas doesn't have anything to gain from beating Texas Tech. Right. You know, for for OU, you know, usually OSU is decent enough that says, okay, well that's a ranked win. Usually Texas Tech has been dog shit, and so for Tech, okay, if you lose to Texas, well, no sweat off your back. If you beat Texas like this year, then well, damn, that's a program-changing win since freaking Michael Crabtree. You know, OSU has nothing to to gain from losing to OU or playing them close anymore, like maybe they used to. OU has everything to gain from saying, oh, well, we beat number twelve. OSU uh, on a re routine basis, you know. Now, OSU is, is beating OU maybe, you know, last year was ranked lower than OSU was. And I will it was say, and we got to move on, but um, I, think it shows, I think it shows more of a small man complex from Tex, from Texas Tech to, 
still be pushing to play Texas as opposed to the approach that OSU's taken with OU? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they should say fuck them. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta keep the same energy for the hateful eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. You would. You'd think. Anyways, uh, more to come. Stick around here on the Jones Sport. Join us now, the Jones Sport. This week, we are so glad to have with us. It is our friend Steve Weish from the NFL Network. He'll be on the sidelines coming up on uh, Christmas weekend here for the Raiders and the Steelers game on the NFL Network. Also did the. Browns-Ravens game last week, and you can find him reporting on the league uh, each and every day on the network, and he joins us right now. Steve, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. How are things going, my friend? My guy, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Things are good. I mean, you know, just uh, getting ready for Christmas. I got, like I said, I'll be in Pittsburgh for the Christmas Eve game, flying back Christmas morning. It'll be my grandson. I get to spend my first Christmas with my new grandson, who's a month old. So it's just uh, awesome times right now in the White household. That's exciting. Uh, certainly happy for you guys uh, to get to experience that, get right on time uh, back for the, the uh, Christmas Day. That's awesome to see. Uh, where, where I want to start today, Steve, uh, looking at just what we witnessed this past week, I know that uh, you were still following what happened in that Vikings-Colts game while you were on the sidelines for the Browns and Ravens game. Unbelievable what unfolded there in that uh, second half with that huge comeback from the Vikings. Just amazing. I mean, you know, I'm watching the game like, what is Minnesota doing? I mean, they've got an opportunity to clinch, and they're going to let a team like this not only beat them, but like smoke them, right? 33 to halftime. That's when I'm getting ready. I'm taking all my stuff out on the field. Um, so I didn't see much of the second half, but I'm sitting here checking the scores like, okay, all right, they're chipping away. Okay. All right, we got a game here. Like, oh, my gosh, they came back. And beat them. And that's where I there's there's no way there's no way I can sit here and say, man, they rallied to beat the Colts. So the Colts choked. They choked. They tricked it off. They did whatever. You do not have a 33 point lead in any sport. And lose it like the way they did. So that that wasn't a great Minnesota comeback. I give them credit for not going in the tank for the defense toughening up for the offense, taking plays, you know, making plays, taking advantage of many Colts mistakes. But that's the Colts, you know, choking that game off, allowing the Vikings to win the NFC North. And now this Colts team, they bench Matt Ryan, Nick Foles the rest of the way. We all know about the controversy of bringing in Jeff Satteries, their head coach here. It seems like there's a lot of turmoil with that Colts organization and, and, they got some. They get some figuring out to do once this season ends of where they're going to go from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Colts are kind of like, well, thank God for the Arizona Cardinals to keep us off the uh, absolutely bananas of chaos uh, front page, but they're right there. Uh, you know, it was weird because you know when they made the coaching change from Frank Reich to Jeff Saturday, and he came out and said, "Well, Sam Ehlinger is going to be our our starting quarterback." A lot of us were like, "Well, why aren't they going to play Nick Foles?" You know, this dude. He's a veteran. He knows how to play. Okay, I, I get you want to see what this rookie can do, but play Nick Foles, and if he doesn't get it done, then go to the rookie. So the fact that they're going to Nick Foles now with three games left makes absolutely no sense. You know, I, I was kind of wishing, again, that they would – are wondering why they didn't go to him earlier on when they were still maybe in playoff contention. 
Um, as bad as things had gone, you know, it's kind of a disaster in the AFC South. But, you know, I, I, again, absolute chaos. You know, what are they going to do with Jeff Saturday? Look, he, he, I think he's done a pretty darn good job. I mean, that team competes, and for him not having that experience and to keep the coaching staff together and to keep those players playing hard, uh, except for the second half of uh, the Vikings game, I think he's done an okay job. I don't know if they if, if they keep him full-time, but there's just so much – you know, needs to be done with a big question is, do they keep GM Chris Ballard? Cause he survived it to this point. Um, but he's been very low key ever since they made the coaching change. Um, do they blow the whole thing up and start from scratch? And if so, which direction do they go to? Because a team without a quarterback is not the most attractive job to have in the NFL for a new coach to take over. That's true. Uh, absolutely. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, who do you think is the, Best team in the league right now. Philly obviously has the best record, but Buffalo and Kansas City are right there. Who uh, Who's the best of the best right now, do you think? Philadelphia. And, and, I, and I say that because, like, when you watch Kansas City, you know, you started to see this last year in the playoffs. They're kind of like the Golden State Warriors. Like, they're so used to winning. It seems like they've got just boredom lapses in games. You've seen it so many times where they get a lead, and next thing you know, they're they're scrapping like hell to win at the end of games because they just – it's like they get bored. Like, okay, let's just go ahead and we'll turn on the switch. We need to turn it on. Buffalo is a really good football team, um, losing Von Miller, losing a couple pieces. They, you know – again, I'm, nit- I'm completely nitpicking here. Um, they've got a few holes, not many, whereas – but, you know, the, but – you know, Buffalo has been winning too, right? So they've got that element of success and experience, whereas the Eagles are just absolutely hungry. They have depth upon depth upon depth to help them with injuries. They can beat you running the ball. They can beat you throwing the ball. Their offensive line arguably is the best in the NFL. Their defensive front, including their linebackers, are probably among the top three or four best in the NFL. And they've got a great secondary. Right. And, and, and they're coaching and the decisions. And, and Jalen Hurts is probably your MVP at the moment. If he doesn't play this week, maybe not because of that shoulder. Um, but I would just have to say the Eagles, because they seem like such a complete team and can beat you any which way you want to play. Yeah, they, they look good. And this week they take on the Dallas Cowboys. But it looks like Jalen Hurts isn't going to be able to give it a go with that injury that, uh, that he sustained. If you're Philadelphia, knowing that you might face Dallas here in a couple of weeks, is this a situation where you don't show too much and with your quarterback not playing where maybe uh, you might even rest some guys? What, what do you think is going to be Philly's approach to this game against Dallas here? Uh, Tyler, this is a division game. This is Philly-Dallas. <laughs> They're not resting anybody right now. They want to go ahead and lock up that top seed, right? So, the, so everything runs through Philadelphia. If they can wound Dallas, right, Dallas has already clinched a playoff spot, but if they can maybe push them down to the like second or third wild card seed. So Dallas has to open at San Francisco in the playoffs. They'd love to do that. Plus they'd love to see, I mean, they haven't officially ruled out Jalen Hurts. I mean, if, if he's going to try to gut it out, you know, they, they know he's an MVP contention. They may want to keep him in. Um, I think that's a little bit more of a risky play. But Gardner Minshew will do just fine. I mean, their, their team is really, really good in a lot of areas. And Dallas cannot stop the run. So if Philadelphia runs the ball, they've got a great opportunity. I mean, Dallas just cannot stop it, especially on the interior. 
And, you know, Dak has gotten into the habit of giving you at least one opportunity a game, if not more, to get an interception. I mean, he's got seven picks the past four games. You know, the one, the game winner in Jacksonville, that wasn't his fault. He put it on Noah Brown. But, um, no, if Philly has an opportunity, they are not saying, okay, Dallas, go ahead and take this one. We'll, we'll catch you on the flip side. They would love, love to hand the Cowboys an L. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that uh, for sure. And uh, you mentioned San Francisco. They look like one of, if not the hottest teams in the league. Brock Purdy playing pretty well since he stepped in for Jimmy G here. I mean, what, what's making this happen? Is this all about Kyle Shanahan or is this what John Lynch has done with this roster? How are the, the Niners doing what they're doing here to be in contention, even with losing the quarterbacks they've had? And obviously the McCaffrey trade helped, but what's the glue holding this team together throughout what all they've been through this year? Well, I mean, the, the singular, the singular point is it's defense. I mean, best defense in the NFL. They're loaded up front. They just get Eric Armstead back. Nick Bosa could probably win the defensive player of the year. Um, they're linebackers, best linebacking core in the NFL. They're fast. They're physical with Fred Warner and Al Shair and Dre Greenlaw, who's a superstar. And getting Chavarius Ward from the Chiefs to have a lockdown corner, that's something they never really invested in. They always felt that their front was so good, they didn't need to invest in a corner. Now they do. You know, having to play DK Metcalf and Cooper Cup and, got, and D-Hop in the division, they're like, okay, we got to get a physical, tall, big corner who can match up. That's really helped out. Um, now, to get to the Brock Purdy part of things, it's absolutely what Kyle Shanahan can do. It's Brock Purdy's mobility but you know you got to give some credit to purdy i mean this dude when you see him make a play he's like i expected to do that i've been here before right like you know a four-year a four-year guy at iowa state comes out with confidence the only reason he's not picked before being mr irrelevant is because he's short well you know this offense is fine you, you don't have to be a tall quarterback to work with a moving pocket in the run game that they have so the fact that he doesn't make mistakes though he's not making a lot of picks like younger quarterbacks he's, he's not putting the ball on the ground or or generating pre-snap penalties by having a, a, an irregular cadence. The fact that he's nailed down so many of those fine details allows everything else, so to speak, to roll off the tongue. Yeah, it's uh, phenomenal what, what he's been able to do in that San Francisco team for sure. And so it, it looks like when you look at these division races, they're, they're pretty much set, it seems, for the most part. Maybe the NFC South goes another direction, but Tampa's still in the driver's seat. But those wild card spots, what is it, four teams going for two spots? I mean, very competitive. How do you think that's ultimately going to play out, those wild card spots? Well, I mean, Detroit right now is, is like, you know, they're, they're that proverbial team you don't want to face right now. Um, and so if they keep playing the way they're playing, they're going to get in. Now, they don't have the easiest schedule. I think they end the season with Green Bay. Um, and I forget who their other two games are are against but they're just playing so well and in part because they got these young guys on defense I mean James Houston who was inactive for most of the season comes in in pass rushing situations he's got five sacks in four games pairs to Aiden Hutchinson you know the way they've they've drafted has been spectacular Malcolm Rodriguez you know another rookie starting on that defense and contributing um and they can hang 30 on anybody so Detroit's a team you don't want to have to play. Then the other stuff is interesting to Seattle. Hang in there. The Giants got that big win against Washington. Can Washington rally? Um, so I, I think you're going to have at least one of the teams from the East. Seattle, 
Um, it has an opportunity. They're not playing great football right now. They've, they've hit kind of a buzzsaw on their schedule. But I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle does sneak in. But they just got they've got to flip a switch. I just think, you know, Washington right now has a little bit of an uphill climb, and that tie may end up coming to hurt it, even though traditionally ties end up helping teams get into the postseason. Yeah, and you look at that Seattle team. They were playing so hot with that streak that they were on. Now they've lost four of their last five here. You go through these final games, Chiefs tough game on the road, Jets, and then the Rams here. But, I mean, you win two out of three, that might be be good enough here, uh, potentially. That that, that should do it. That should do it based on the schedules of the NFC East teams. Um, I still think Detroit is playing so well that, again, they've got a couple of tough games coming up, but I think they – they're just that team that, that's playing. They're just so hot at the right time. And, and the way they're playing, the confidence they're playing with, that they're going to get in. And I think it's fantastic we're actually talking about the Lions and playoff contention at this point of the season. Because I just love I, I love what they're doing. I mean, Jared Goff, I mean, why, why go out and use you know, that high draft pick you're going to get for the Rams on a quarterback? Maybe get one a little bit later on, but address some other needs. You've got a great offensive line. Fortify maybe the – wide receiving core, which is pretty good with Amon Ross yeah. and Brown, that, that defensive front, uh, get a little bit more speed, a linebacker, and in the secondary, you know, fix a defense that hasn't been great, but right now is playing very well in timely situations. What's the bigger surprise, if I told you before the season, of being in this position to make the postseason? Is it Detroit or is it Seattle here? Both incredible stories. Wow, that's a great question because I, I would have to say Seattle. Because we figured, okay, Russell Wilson's gone, Bobby Wagner's gone, basically the guts of the of the Legion of Boom era, you know, everything is out. We're they're gonna be terrible, they're gonna be drafting top five. They were probably similar expectations on the Lions, but we just thought it was just gonna be an absolute dumpster fire. When I say we, the majority of the media thought it was gonna be an absolute dumpster fire in Seattle. And the fact that Geno Smith has resurrected his career, that they've nailed the draft. I, I mean, they got two rookies starting on the offensive line. A great rookie corner is probably going to lose out on the defensive rookie of the year to Sauce Gardner. Um, but I, I, I would have to say Seattle just because the expectations were were far lower, which is crazy to say than than probably they were with the Lions as we as we entered the season. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a great point. Uh, let's go to the AFC side of things uh, there. We mentioned how good the the Bills and Chiefs are leading the way in the AFC. Which team do you like better between those two? We we, we saw the Bills win in Arrowhead earlier this year, but a lot has changed since then. Who's the better team right now? Ooh, Buffalo's playing pretty good, man. Um, But I I would have to say the Chiefs. I mean, for Buffalo to beat Kansas City twice in a season uh, would be hard. And I think based on the Chiefs' schedule and the Bills' schedule, the Chiefs are going to end up as the top seed. Um, you know, the Bills, they, they got a couple of tough ones coming up. But, again, that, that win against Miami was huge. So I, I, would, I would probably have to give it to the Chiefs right now because I think they'll be the top seed, and I think the AFC has to go through Arrowhead. Is Cincinnati far off from those two? Nope. <laughs> nope. They, are, they are right there. I mean, and I'm glad you mentioned them because we're, we're, we're still not talking about them enough. And as much as Joe, Joey Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are so awesome, 
they are winning because of their defense, in particular their second-half adjustments. I mean, I think they've only allowed like 120 maybe second-half points all season. They're the best halftime adjustment team on defense in the NFL. I mean, they're really, really spectacular. You see them, like we saw last week against the Buccaneers, you know, going to halftime with deficits, and then the second half, it's over. I mean, the stone wall comes up on defense. They start forcing takeaways. They start denying possessions. And then Joey Burrow and the crew take it over from there. So that's why I think they, they, they might be the most dangerous team when you get into the playoffs because of the style of ball that they play and the fact that that defense, especially Reader at that defensive tackle, my guy, I don't know if there's anyone playing better than him right now in the NFL, the way that they're all of a sudden coming on, especially with defensive end Trey Hendrickson out. And I think he's coming back soon. I think he's going to try to club up that broken hand. Yeah. Does uh, does anyone want to win the AFC South? <laughs> Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, how, how about that? I mean, the Titans can't block anybody. I mean, their issues all come down to their offensive line. It has been it has been a problem for six, seven weeks. They just cannot block it up. Now Ryan Tannehill, who has really got to do some injuries this year, he looks like he's down uh, for at least a week with that ankle. So Malik Willis has to take over, and Derrick Henry just can't get going. I mean, you're seeing them involve him more in the passing game now because they just can't block up the run game like they used to. Um, Indianapolis is going nowhere. Houston, embarrassing. Um, yeah, they compete, but, you know, it's also one of those things like who really gets up to play the Texans? Again, I'm going to give the Texans the benefit of the doubt of them still playing hard. But Jacksonville, they're playing ball, man. Trevor Lawrence is dealing. They, they are finding ways to get the ball. I mean, Christian Kirk has been a revelation. No one, you know, they gave him that big contract, but no one knew he was going to be this impactful from what they saw at Arizona. The way their scheme was a Jones, the way they can block things up, they're running the ball well. They really hit the Cowboys hard last week. And again, timely defense, not a great defense, but timely defensive plays. Josh Allen starting to really show himself. Some of those linebackers are, are starting to play really well. And that secondary, not great. I mean, there's a lot of things that they, they, they're not doing, but boy, they're playing timely football. And that's kind of what matters in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, on the wild card end of things, Dolphins are a really good yep. football team, much improved this year. And then the Ravens, I I'm looking at that team, Steve, and I know you saw them last week, just simply can't catch a break on the injury front. Nope. I know they bring in Sammy Watkins, and that should do something of some sort. It doesn't hurt. Uh, but all the injuries they suffered, if they were healthy, this Ravens team would be right up there. But, I mean, just bad luck for two years, it seems like. Well, I mean, starting with the quarterback. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I mean, that that knee, who knows if he's going to play this week. And, and so Snoop Huntley, we saw last week, he just – it's a different offense. It's a quick passing game. Give it to Edwards and give it to Dobbins. I don't know why they stopped giving it to those two uh, in the second half of that Browns game as much as they did. They didn't have a ton of possessions. But uh, they were hitting some runs defensively, they're still so impressive, Tyler. I mean, Roquan Smith, the impact that he's made. They like got to pay that guy. Have to. Well, well, here's the thing. Are they going to have the money, right? Are they going to have the money if they franchise Lamar? If they can't come to a long-term deal, they're going to franchise Lamar. That number is going to be in the mid-40s. Are they going to have the money to pay Roquan Smith if he wants to be paid? That's going to be such, such an intriguing deal. 
Um, I, that, that's, that's definitely one of the big free agents to watch because some teams, oh, inside linebackers don't matter. He's made Patrick Queen better. You see Tyus, Tyus Bowser on the edge is playing better because he's someone run ball, or see ball, run the ball, tackle ball. He's amazing. I mean, I just did not realize the range he had in pass coverage. Um, so that defense is going to keep them in it. But you're right. They are on a wobbly wheel. I mean, when I when I look at how they're playing, I still think they get in with Miami. But, you know, Jacksonville's probably going to win the division. Do the Jets? I mean, the game against the Jets Thursday night is huge um, for both teams. You know, Zach Wilson's going to be starting again. Can the Jets sneak in? Because I tell you right now, Chargers, they have a light schedule and they are playing great football right now. But just their history. Right. I, I forget who they play this week, but it's, it's a team that they on paper should beat. Right. And it's also the type of game traditionally that they lose. A game that they need to win, they should win at the end against of the, the season. Colts. Yeah, on Monday night. Against the Colts, right? So it's gonna be a tough game, but it's a game they should win. Um, but this is the type of game where they, they make mistakes and lose and end up costing themselves a playoff berth. If they're going to get to the playoffs, this is a game they, they should win convincingly because they are playing so great with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen out there healthy together. Annually. I mean, all those teams going for that final playoff spot uh, in the wild card between New England, the Jets, the Chargers. I mean, these are all teams that, are just so wonky. You know I mean? Like I, I look at the new England team, you got a good quarterback at Mac Jones, but he's not, he's not playing well. No, I mean, he's not playing his best. And I don't think he, the coaching staff's doing anything to help him either. No, 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 they can't score. They can't score. And, and that game against the Raiders, they scored when Kyle Duggar got the pick six and got them going right. Their offense makes no sense. It is what type of screen pass do you want? They ran the hell out of it with uh, Ramondre Stevenson um, and, of course, choked it off on that stupid last play that they made. But it's just – you've got such a good defense, and it's just been bad from the start when they didn't when they didn't have the coaching staff properly set. They tried something, and, and they're really just – you know, they took a step backwards. Mac Jones has not played well. Doesn't look good. Um, you know, they stunted his development. So we'll see if they get in. But if they get in, they're not lasting for long. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, let me ask you about some uh, possible player movement here. Uh, do we see OBJ play anywhere this year? I don't think he's playing this year. A lot of people you talk to say, you know, even on his on his free agent visits that, you know, nobody, including him, feels that he's ready to contribute in the regular season. And if he comes in the playoffs, I mean, that's always a, a, one, and, a one and done or a win and, you're in, win and move on situation how much can he give you you know if he goes to Dallas how much can he give you in a playoff game I mean you have to find a way to incorporate him on a short week into a team that got there without him so I mean we'll see maybe spot away from somebody too yeah I mean it's just it would be odd if there's an injury I could see it you just don't know everyone you talk to just doesn't know physically um, if he's really up to being Odell Beckham, the guy we know, if he were to come back and play. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what about uh, what about Tom Brady? What do you think he does next year? Is he going to go work for Fox? Is he staying in Tampa or is he playing somewhere else? I don't see him staying in Tampa. 
Not sure if he plays anywhere else. I mean, you can just tell that this season has taken such a toll on him. I mean, he just he doesn't he doesn't look great. Looks like he's lost a bunch of weight. You see sometimes when he's out there on the field, his body language is like, geez, I mean, these guys, I really came back for this. I mean, you, you, you just see the body language kind of say that when he's on the sidelines, um, even on the field. I, I don't I know. I'll put it this way. It wouldn't stun me if he finally hung him up. I, I would I would. Again, this is a total guess because you can never guess with Tom Brady. But I just think this year took so much out of him that he probably finally is just going to say it's time. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I can so there will be teams. There will be teams trying to trying to make sure if he leaves the Bucks, there will be teams that are, that will sniff around that are, that could pique his interest. But I, I don't think he's going to make a, a rash or a rush decision uh, once the season ends. Uh, we got a little bit of time left, so I wanted to leave plenty to discuss this topic for to you, Steve. I know you're very big involved with with the HBCUs and and their growth and. The news a couple of weeks ago, Dion, uh, you know, going to Colorado. Uh, if I remember right, correct me if I'm wrong here, Steve. You'd said that you were you're disappointed but happy for Dion at the same time. And I know you yeah. guys used to work together and everything. Just kind of tell me uh, your your thoughts and what this means for HBCUs and everything going forward. Obviously, Dion had a huge impact this time there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hugely layered, um, and, I, and I love Dion. I consider him a friend. You know, we were, we're colleagues. We we've, we've done some stuff off the field. And yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed in the fact that because of his galvanizing personality, all the stuff he did on social media, the fact he got Jackson State winning ball games, that the attention he brought to historically black colleges and universities, and not just football wise, but um, you know, people who never heard of Jackson State, people who never heard of Bowie State or Morgan State or Prairie View, they heard of him now. They started being, oh, what's this HBCU stuff? What's an HBCU? Um, people of all ethnicities now, including black, not, not every black person knows about HBCU. Um, and, and so what he had built there, the energy that he had going there in terms of opposing stadiums would sell out when Jackson State came to town, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, you, 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 I'm happy for him. A lot of people are like, oh, see, he just used Jackson State. Man, coaches use programs all the time. Bobby Petrino hasn't used programs. Lane Kiffin hasn't used programs. Um, it's just the fact that Dion did it at a lower level at a, at a historically black colleges, which tend to be overlooked and ignored, um, unless a Steve McNair, Steve McNair pops up or Doug Williams flashes or, you know, a, a Robert Porsche, someone like that flashes. And so, you know, the black colleges are losing the, the big coach in Dion and you see Jackson state teams like half the teams in the transfer portal now. But I'm happy for Dion that he's going to Colorado because I think he can bring some of that magnetism there. Maybe some of the things he brought culturally and energy-wise to Jackson State, he can bring to a program that hasn't had that since Mike McCartney was the head coach. Um, you know, back in the 80s and 90s when Colorado was the preeminent program or one of the preeminent programs in the NCAA. So, you know, and, and I'm happy for him that personally he gets to – you know, go to a university where maybe he has resources that he didn't have at Jackson State. But it, it, there's a lot of layers to this. And, and to me, the biggest, the bigger question is, will all these corporations, will all of these leagues like the NFL, will all of these broadcast partners who said they're about uplifting historically black colleges, the underserved, are they going to bail because Dion, the Pied Piper, has gone to Colorado? Or 
are they going to continue their commitment? Because maybe there's somebody who doesn't have the big name or the charisma or the personality, the Hall of Fame credentials of Dion, but wins ball games at Jackson State, that wins ball games at Florida AM, that, that wins ball games at Hampton, that can produce NFL players, that can generate the type of energy with their program without having the high profile focus on the head coach. Are they going to stick with that? Or are they just going to Dion because of, again, his, his magnetism and everything else? Well, and I look at since he went to Jackson State, of who else has been hired since. I mean, Hugh Jackson, former NFL head coach, goes to Grambling State. Eddie George is at Tennessee State now, too. I mean, th- there's been a, a whole door, it feels like, that's been opened of opportunities. Uh, some of these big names, besides just Dion, come to these programs since. Well, okay, so now that I'm glad you said that because this has been happening a long time before Dion, and, and this is this is some clarity I really hope people take. HBCU football existed before Dion Sanders got there. Yes, right. Doug Williams coached at Grambling. Ken Riley, who's going into the Hall of Fame this year, coached at Florida A&M. Was the athletic director at Florida A&M. Eddie Robinson put dozens of players and coaches into the pro ranks. Marino Cassim, Big Cat John Merritt. There are 34 Pro Football Hall of Famers from HBCUs, four from Jackson State. Okay, so even though Eddie George, who was at Tennessee State before Dion, went to Jackson State, even before Hugh Jackson came to Grambling, this is nothing new. You have got Bubba McDowell, who played in the NFL for years, coaching at Prairie View. You have Eddie Robinson Jr., no relation to the great Eddie Rob coaching at Alabama State, his alma mater. There are like five or six former NFL players who are coaching at historically black colleges as we speak right now. So, again, this is nothing new. They just didn't have the Pro Football Hall of Fame credentials. They did not have the wide public appeal and name recognition, so to speak, of Dion. But this is, this is, this is nothing new. It is nothing that has been going on for decades at historically black college football. Yeah, uh, and I know you'll be involved. Uh, I believe it's coming up pretty soon. The HBCU uh, Hall of Fame. You're pretty active in that too, right? Yep, and 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 the uh, the Legacy Bowl. Yes. Um, so the Legacy Bowl will take place in New Orleans in February. That is an all-star showcase. 100 draft eligible players from historically black colleges. Where last year there were four players from HBCUs who got drafted. One of them, James Houston, we talked about earlier with the Detroit Lions. Uh, Kobe Durant. Uh, we've got the the Joshua Williams at the corner uh, at Kansas City, having to be blanking on the other one right now, which I which I hate. Uh, but previously, there'd only been one player from HBCU that got drafted the previous two years. You know, we had a player, Deshaun Dixon, who played in a Legacy Bowl last year, caught on with the Jag as an outside linebacker as an undrafted player. So the Legacy Bowl this year will also be tied into the HBCU combine. So all 32 teams are going to be down there to watch the week of practices. Um, so there'll be more players uh, that, that will make it into the NFL, you know, again, because of the exposure scouts weren't necessarily beaten down uh, HBCU campuses. I mean, these are things Dion helped, but you know, some of the talent upgrades have helped as well at these programs. So um, it's important. Like I said, I mean, Javon Hargrave, you know, the one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL for the Eagles. He went to South Carolina State. 
So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent that was just getting looked over. That's now finally getting getting recognized. I won't say finally getting recognized, but um, getting the attention paid to it that should have been there nonstop. Steve, uh, fantastic information. Always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Uh, or before you go, plug away uh, where people can uh, find you, and then also where they can catch the uh, broadcast for the uh, Steelers and uh, Raiders game. Come yeah, on. I mean, the broadcast for Steelers-Raiders, Saturday night, Christmas Eve. The 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception will be uh, on air at 8 Eastern at NFL Network. I'm sure there will be plenty of tributes uh, to Franco Harris. Uh, I'm, I'm so saddened over his passing, Hall of Fame running back uh, who passed away on Wednesday. Um, so there's that. You can also find me on NFL Now, NFL Total Access, NFL Game Day Morning on NFL Network, and on Twitter at Weich, W-Y-C-H-E, 89, same handle for Instagram. Steve, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk again soon. Have a great holiday, my friend. My guy. Take care, Tyler. Merry Christmas. Time for Coach Bill's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. You can also reach out Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. He's also the host of the Coach Bo Knows podcast, Out twice a week, wherever you listen to podcasts. And he joins us right now. Bo, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you, my friend. How are we doing? Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Tyler. I hope everything is well. I heard you have your family coming down. So that's pretty awesome for a young man to have the family come and see him. And Oh, boy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a whole process getting ready for it that uh, I was not prepared for. But yeah. nonetheless. We are also hosting for Christmas, so I understand. Oh, like, you know, I, I just thought at first, Bo, uh, when my – Family said they wanted to come down. Well, okay, fine. You know, I got to work a couple of days. You know, that'll work out. And uh, they're like, are you going to decorate? I'm like, well, I mean, I wasn't planning on it. I never have. I always see decorations everywhere else. I'm good. And like, no, no, no. If you're going to host Christmas, you got to decorate. Oh, great. So, yeah. yeah, it's the preparation leading up to this. I do not envy. Maybe I won't host again in the future. But. It is a lot. I'm not trying to sound sexist on this, but it's a lot easier when you have a wife and she loves the Christmas decorations. So, she Jen decorates at our house. I let her do whatever she wants. So, I was I was just proud of myself for finding a tree and a wreath. I think that's good. You know, look, you need a tree, a wreath, maybe some tinsel, something like that. Uh, you know, like I got pine cones. There you go, oh, man. You're ahead. See, that's like that's that's a good move there. Yeah. I got a uh, candle, got a bowl, some pine cones. What was the other yeah. one? Uh, candles. There you go. I mean, yeah. Okay. Man, I, you're doing good. Uh, the uh, picks this week, Bo continues to dominate. We know that. Um, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to give y'all some props because I don't know how y'all did last week, but I had maybe the worst week of my life last week. I did not have a great week myself. I went about four and six. I went one, eight, and one. Hmm. Yeah, the only game that I got right last week, I looked this up, uh, hold it, let me see here again, was, so when I tracked these, I always track you versus me because sometimes time is with us and sometimes he's not. And so last week, the only time you and I disagree on picks, usually that's where I win. You and I disagreed four times last week. You won three of those. Yeah. And I won one. The only game I won last week was the 49ers. And then we all pushed the Titans Chargers game. And I took the Seahawks in that game. So. Yeah, and and I and the bowl games, I just wasn't those those five games we picked last week. I had no 
Like I would not have bet on any of those. Those bowl games, bowl games are hard to pick. They are because of the, I would talk about that on my podcast that if, if you don't really know what's going on on both teams and who's opted out, who's injured, how are they changing coaching staffs? You know, the one game I did like that we picked last week was that UTSA Troy game. I picked UTSA, but it ended up being slaughtered the other way at the end. Uh, so I was just wrong. Yeah. Well, but the, uh, yeah. Let's hope for uh, better luck this time. We'll we'll do better this week. This week is not going to go one eight and one. I know that. So because there's no show next week because I'm going to the Liberty Bowl uh, to watch my Jayhawks play Arkansas, um, we are going to go ahead and skip ahead to the New Year's Six and college football playoff games, but then still pick this week's NFL slate. So the games include the semifinal Peach Bowl between. Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia favored by six and a half. The semifinal Fiesta Bowl, TCU and Michigan. Michigan favored by seven and a half. The Orange Bowl between Tennessee and Clemson. Clemson favored by six. The Sugar Bowl between Alabama and K-State. Bama favored by six and a half. The Rose Bowl, Penn State, Utah. Utah favored two and a half. NFL slate this week, Eagles and Cowboys. Cowboys favored by five. Vikings and Giants. Giants favored by four. Bengals and Patriots. Bengals favored by three. Commanders and 49ers, Commanders favored by, uh, or 49ers rather, favored by seven. Packers and Dolphins uh, with the Dolphins favored by four. So that is the slate of games this week. Bo, let's go ahead and get started uh, with a look at the college football game, starting with the semifinals, the Peach Bowl, Ohio State and Georgia. Georgia favored by six and a half. What do you think here, Bo? Okay, this is the closer, I think, of the two playoff games. Um, Ohio State has been a really good team all year. They were a team that I thought was the best team for the for the for the whole for the, the majority of the year. I think they're the best team in the, in the country, but they have really disappointed when it comes to the spread and when it comes to games against tough teams. I'm going to take Georgia here. I'm picking Georgia to win the whole title. Um, I, I just think that Georgia is so much better than everybody else right now. I'm taking Georgia. I'm going to lay the six and a half. I think it's like a seven, eight point game, but uh, give me Georgia here. I'm not going to sit here and say the Alabama dynasty is over, but Bo, I feel like the Georgia dynasty is beginning. Um, I think the dogs are going to win the title this year. They're going to go back to back. And I think there's more titles for Kirby smart and the dogs in their future starts off with this Ohio state team here. Um, I think Michigan put the blueprint out there for how to beat Ohio State, and Georgia's even more talented than Michigan is. I'll go with Georgia to win and cover that six and a half point margin there, Bo. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. <clears throat> the uh, other semifinal, the Fiesta Bowl, TCU taking on Michigan. Michigan favored by seven and a half. Bo, what do we think about uh, this matchup here? Is seven and a half too much for Michigan? Nope. <laughs> nope, it's not too much at all. I think Michigan's going to just curb stop TCU. Um, I Michigan's formula is to slow the game down, run the football, and they just keep running. And their offensive line, TCU's defense cannot stop that. I expect Michigan to win. I expect them to win big. I think it's going to be into the double digits. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than 14. Um, Michigan is the second best team in the country. 
and there's a gap between them and three. Um, it, it'll be a good matchup between Georgia and Michigan. Uh, but I like Michigan here, and I like them big. Um, I feel like I should take Michigan to cover, but it seems like TCU finds ways to keep games close all year long. Even the one they lost, obviously, the K-State went into overtime. Bo, I like Michigan to win, but I know I'm playing with fire here. I got TCU to cover that seven-and-a-half-point margin. I think they can keep it closer than that, um, but we'll see. Orange Bowl, Tennessee taking on Clemson. It's going to be very orange between these two teams, with Clemson favored by six here. Bo, uh, what do you think about this matchup? Uh, your boy Dabo, who I know you just love, <laughs> he and uh, God, they got this thing going, you know, of uh, of NIL together. You know, they, they've been doing you know, that for a while. You know, it's – you ever seen the Blues Brothers? Yeah. It, it, I can just see Dabo sitting back with a cigarette like Jake Blues going, me and the Lord. We got an understanding. <laughs> you know, when he said that line, too, he was thinking that he had come up with a good singer. He he thought that NIL was a good one. Boy, he thought he was going to get some recruits on that one. Uh, he's trash. That team's trash. Uh, give me Tennessee and uh, give me Tennessee outright. Um, Tennessee hasn't been the same team since Hendon Hooker went out. Um, I think Club Nick's a lot better quarterback uh, for Clemson than what we saw with DJU. Uh, six, I, give me Clemson to win and cover that six-point margin. I'll go with the uh, Tigers, much to the chagrin of uh, Bo here. So, Hey, I uh, love it when we disagree because usually I kick your ass on those. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, coming from a guy that won one game last week, slow your roll here. It's true. I'm not talking a lot of trash this week. Yeah, yeah. Sugar Bowl Alabama against K-State. Alabama favored by six and a half here. Bryce Young and Will Anderson will both play in this game. Bo, uh, even with that said, though, we have seen in years past when Alabama has not been in the playoff, they've been kind of disinterested in these New Year's Six Bowls. What do you think about them favoring six and a half here? Do they show up interested? I think they are going to be interested. I think Nick Saban is going to make them interested. Um, here's what I want to say about this game. I live in Lawrence, Kansas, so you know, there's a lot of KU people here, obviously. And I've got family and friends and my in-laws. My wife is a K-State grad. And, you know, schools, when they win a big game, they always say, we want Bama. I was talking to my father-in-law a couple weeks ago when they announced this game. And I said, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. K-State is going to get railed by Alabama in this game. This game won't be close. Um, I expect Alabama to win by 14 or more. Um, Bama is on a mission. Look, Bama's lost two games on the last play of the game by a total of three points. They lost on a two-point conversion the last game, the last play of the game against LSU at LSU on Saturday night. It's a tough place to play. They lose at Tennessee on a long-ass field goal where he lost by one. Everybody's coming back. No one's opting out. No one's going pro early. The staff is intact. I'm, I'm taking Bama in a run. I think they're going to run K-State completely out of the building. Be careful what you wish for, K-State fans, because you just got it. I like uh, Alabama to cover six and a half here. Uh, I think the Tide... Uh, are in good shape in this game. 
with those guys playing, I think that that shows they are motivated, that they're interested. Yeah, in the so. um, and if anything, if there's guys that are not interested, you know, their teammates are not going to put up with that. I don't think. Uh, yeah. And you noticed, and you know, the thing is, I heard somebody else said this week, um, well, there's been players leaving Bama to go into the transfer portal. And you know what that is? It's players who aren't seeing the field. And they think they should be. Well, well they've lost a couple starters. Well, Nick Saban's saying, hey, if you think you want to go play somewhere else, go on. Run on. He, he doesn't care. Right. He's got somebody. I mean, they're loaded with four and five star recruits. They don't care. And right. if you don't come in there and be the guy, you can't go in there and be competitive. Or if you think you're entitled to something, they're just not going to put up with that at, at, at Alabama. So, you know, I'm not the biggest Alabama fan, but they do things the right way. And Nick Saban's the GOAT. I, yeah. I think you're spot on. Those guys, Bryce Young and those guys coming by Will Anderson playing this game means that they're motivated. They yeah. want to win this game. All right, so both like Alabama there. One more college game, the Rose Bowl. Penn State taking on Utah. Utah favored by two and a half here. Bo, I like Utah in this game, and Utah, I think, is case in point for expansion here, the playoff of getting to 12 teams, because we'd be talking about this Utah team coming in red hot right now. Got off to a slow start to the year. Probably shouldn't have lost Florida, but they're, they're putting it together. Now, in this case, the reward is the Rose Bowl, which is great for any Pac-12 school. But in the future, there's a Utah team that I'd be looking at like, watch. They could go on a run here in this this new playoff system. i like them to win and cover two and a half. I thought Penn State and James Franklin, that, that team's been a fraud all year. Well, I think this is a really good matchup. And, and I really don't have a good feel. This is one of those bowl games where you go, God, these are two good teams. They're two really good teams. They're both teams that would be in a playoff right now. Um, you know, Penn State's only two losses are to Ohio State and Michigan. Now, they got beat up pretty good in both those games. Uh, they had a couple of other closer games, but here lately in the last six weeks, they've just blown everybody away. and They're scoring lots of points. I'm going to take Penn State because they're the underdog and taking the points. But I could totally see Utah winning this game and winning by more than two and a half. I mean, it. I like both these teams. Uh, I, it's hard to pick this game. This is the hardest game to pick on this whole slate this week to me of, of the college games. Um, but I'm going to take Penn State. All right. To the NFL we go. Eagles and Cowboys. Ca- Cowboys favored by five. It seems like Jalen Hurts is doubtful, but he hasn't been ruled out for this game. It is in Dallas. Dallas five-point favorites coming off that loss to Jacksonville last week. Critical game in the NFC East. What do you think here, Bo? We talked a lot about this game on my podcast. And I have said for about two weeks now that when we were looking at the Eagles schedule, we were looking about three or four weeks ago actually out, and we were saying, okay, who is the team that could beat the Eagles before they got their first loss? And I picked this game. I was like, the Cowboys – at home, Christmas Eve, that's going to be a, a rough game for the Eagles. Now you throw in Jalen Hurts is hurt. But I think you throw in Jalen being hurt, I wonder, will the rest of the team step up? I've been so impressed with the Eagles all season long. I think they are by far the best team in the NFL. 
I think if 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 Hertz is not hurt, I think he's going to be. I think he's the MVP candidate. I think that he is. Uh, that team is the best team. I think it's a little bit of a trap, but five. That number really surprised me. I thought the Cowboys might be a two or three point favorite. So I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. But I think the Eagles are going to keep it closer than five. I think this is like a, a two, three point game. A late field goal might win it, or a team misses a field goal that could win it, something like that. I'm taking the Eagles plus the five. Uh, Bo, five for me, too much. I think the Eagles could still even win this game, even if Gardner Minshew does end up starting here for Philadelphia. Five points. Uh, I mean, I feel like I could sell you some oceanfront property in Chinook, Kansas, if you want to take the Cowboys to cover five points against the league's best team. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm not relying on Dallas here. Are you kidding me? I'll go Philly. Uh, I don't know if they win or not, but I'm not giving Dallas five points in this game. I'll take the Eagles here. Um, Vikings and Giants. Big win last week for the Giants against the Commanders. The Vikings, a huge comeback win against Detroit. And uh, the Vikings are favored by four in this game on the road. Bo, what do you think? Okay, so we've got – I was really kind of misjudged the Giants last couple of weeks. I thought they were the team that was going to slip out of the NFC playoffs. Um, it looks like it might be the Commandos now. So um, the Vikings, I don't trust Kirk Cousins. If you watched last week's game, you'll see why. Um, but – they just came off the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL in that game. I cannot believe what I saw in the second half of that game. Matt Ryan um, did Matt Ryan things. Yeah, and the play calling was atrocious. I mean, we broke that down on my pod. I mean, some of the, the fact that the Eagles went three and out six times in the second half. Or the Colts, sorry, the Colts went three and out six times in the second half. And how many passes they were throwing when they were up 30 points is ridiculous. Um Vikings are a better team. I get nervous about they're going to go to New York, play outside. But the Vikings, they just have a lot of weapons. It's hard for me to not pick them here. I'm going to pick the Vikings, but I can see the Giants covering here. This is going to be a good game. This will be a, I think it's going to be a close game, too. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go in this game. Uh, I want to take – the Giants here, Bo, and I think I'm going to go ahead and do it. Four points feels like a lot for me in this game. I think the Vikings, the Vikings, I think can win it, but uh, four seems like a lot for me. For I don't think there's a whole lot of separation in actuality between these two. Yeah, teams. I would kind of look at it and I, as the numbers be, and I would say if the Vikings get the 25 points, they'll cover. Okay, so you got to get four scores. If yeah, you got to turn it into a shootout. Giants can't because the Giants can't beat you in a shootout. Right. Okay. Um, the Bengals and the Patriots. Bengals favored by three in that game. Bo, uh, I think you got two teams going opposite directions here. The Bengals are on fire, and the Patriots do not have a competent offensive staff. <laughs> yeah, you may be right. I, 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 I watched bad a lot. For Mac Jones. I think Mac's a good quarterback. I, I think the Patriots have turned some things around offensively, too. What they've decided to do was to put Mac Jones in the shotgun and let him read the offense. 
similar to what he did at Alabama, not trying to throw the ball too deep, trying to get things out quickly. Mac Jones can do that. And then now we have a meme, you know, <laughs> Mac Jones getting shoved down uh, for after that ridiculous play at the end of the game last week. On the flip Haley side. Haley Zappi would have made that tackle. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Out of respect, the Bengals wouldn't have made that play because they wouldn't have pissed Joe Burrow off. Um, hey, look, I, I'm i on the Bengals here. I'm on Joe Burrow. Um, I, I think it's interesting. We'll, I don't know if we're going to talk about the MVP race. I think we probably should for a minute. But uh, I think that might be your NFL MVP, too. So give me the Bengals. I'll lay the three. All right. I'll go with the Bengals here too. Uh, they uh, do they do do they deserve Joe Bur- Joe Burrow yet? They built an out an indoor they built a, an indoor facility finally. I saw that, and they're they're starting to actually spend some money. So as long as they as long as they're not being cheap, I did hear they're trying to do something creative for his contract. They're trying to negotiate his extension already. Have you heard this? They're trying to do yeah, the sponsoring of it. Yes. It's pretty genius. It's it's funny because already franchise. Yeah, they, they don't have the money. They they well, the way it works in the league is you have to take you give a guarantee contract, you have to put that much cash in escrow. Well, the owners of the Bengals, the they don't have enough money. They can't pay Joe Burrow 300 million and put that money in escrow. So I guess the understanding is they're gonna work with a, a sponsor who's going to put up a large amount of that. And as the contract goes off, the money comes out of escrow. So they return the money. They'll get an interest rate, but they'll also get the free advertising of they're the sponsor of Joe Burrow's contract. It's actually pretty smart. Well, I got the perfect company for it. You ready? Go ahead. Let's hear it. FTX. (laughs) No. No. No, no. It, it would need to be like Amazon or Apple or something like that. Like a top blue Voyager. chip. <laughs> you, know, it, uh, you know, a top, top blue chip company to come around and sponsor that contract. But I think it's kind of creative. And if they pull that off, that that, gets, uh, that would tell me going back to, you know, I've had that thing of, I don't think the Bengals deserve Joe Burrow. If they could pull that off, they get him an extension and they keep spending money the way they have smartly on players, yeah, they're, they're not the poverty franchise they once were. And I saw where, like, in Forbes, their value as a team went up by a billion dollars this past year. It's because of Joe Burrow. Yeah. How about that? You got uh, to keep, keep that asset. Yeah. Glad uh, that FTX guy's going to prison, by the way. I hope he yeah. – oh, we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> I agree with you. I hope the prison's a bad experience for him too. Uh, so too, yeah. Oh man, I'm glad I didn't put any money there. I don't have any money there. None of my clients do either. We don't. We don't fill around the funny money. No kind of advisor group. Yeah, no, no, no. Commanders <laughs> and uh, 49ers. Uh, 49ers favored by seven here, Bo. Uh, seven always feels like a lot, but I like the way the 49ers are playing here. Seven. You could give me ten, and I'd probably still take the Niners here, Bo. I kind of tend to agree with you. Um, I'm bought in that the 49ers are the one team that the quarterback position doesn't matter. Um, it, it's Brock Purdy's playing good. He played really well. 
He's played extremely well. And, and Jimmy Garoppolo was playing better for those few weeks than he'd ever played. Um, but it's because their offense is set up to, to run the ball. They're creative. They have the best left tackle in the history of the NFL. Um, and their their offensive line is just awesome. I mean, they it's a really, really great team. I like the 49ers. I don't have any problem laying seven here. I have been high on the commanders for a while. Um, I've even said that I thought Ron Rivera should get some opportunity at coach of the year, uh, just simply because of the way he has shut off all the outside talk of what's going on with that franchise right now, and that team keeps winning. But I saw something this past week against the Giants I didn't like. And they're not as they're not as talented. They still don't have Chase Young back. It, it's going to be harder for them to get into a playoff now. This is going to probably kill the Commanders' playoff chances. And so I'm taking the 49ers here. All right. Uh, last game on the uh, docket this week. Christmas Day, Packers and Dolphins. Packers coming off a win on Monday Night Football. The Dolphins, a close loss to the Bills on the road. They are four-point favorites here. Bo, what do we think of this one? Okay, um, I want to talk about the Dolphins for a second here. Okay. I watched a big chunk of the Dolphins-Bills game. I was at a party, so I kept watching most of it on the GameCast on my phone, and then I watched the fourth quarter. If it, the snow doesn't come in, the Dolphins might win that game. Um, I had picked Buffalo in that game. I picked them to the cover because I knew that the snow was coming, but I thought it was going to be the whole second half. And that snow threw off the timing of the Dolphins. It's just because of the way they run their offense. When the snow came in late. Yes, and that's what Buffalo ended up running. They had that big, big possession at the end. Allen scored. They got the two-point conversion. That's how they won the game. Um, The Dolphins' offense played spectacular before that. They had three or four big plays in the game. Things I wasn't expecting in the cold. Uh, they didn't let the cold be an issue. Now, after two road games and two West Coast games and this game in Buffalo, they get to go home. And I think they're going to pound the Packers. I don't think the Packers are going to be ready for the speed of the, of the Dolphins' offense. I think that the Packers are in a lot of trouble with their own team. Um, I'm taking the Dolphins here. I have zero problem laying four points. Uh, I like the Dolphins here. I think they're a much better team, in particular their defense at home, Bo. Four points. I mean, this could still be a good game, and they win by seven. So, yeah, um, Yeah, I I just think they're going to have a couple. I was so impressed with the the three. They had three 60-yard plays in that game against Buffalo in Buffalo. You know, they had two passes and a run. And I was like, dude, if they're getting big plays, they're going to be a tough out. Yeah, and now they're back at home after three weeks of of a gauntlet. I think they're going to be really good this week. All right, let's uh, let's start with Franco Harris passing away. Uh, yeah, seventy two years old. This this Saturday night, he was going to be honored by the Steelers. Going to be, I believe, the third or fourth player ever in that historic franchise's history to have their number retired. And he dies this week, just days leading up to that. It was the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Raiders about to play and everything. Um, what a legend. I mean, you know, th- this sport, Bo, has so many all-time greats. And I feel like Franco Harris 
is one of the best running backs ever, but there's been so many good backs. He kind of gets forgotten about here. I mean, this guy had maybe the greatest play ever. Yeah. I, you look at Franco Harris, he was extremely popular in his day. And then you look, he just never had all the flashy numbers that after his career, you know, he was in the same years with OJ Simpson and OJ was just another flashy, you know, he was, he got more attention. And then you had the eighties come along with Walter Payton and then the nineties with Emmett and Barry Sanders. And then the guys we have nowadays, Franco Harris also was in this offense with so many great players. I mean, you had Terry Bradshaw, who I, I think Terry Bradshaw is the most underrated quarterback of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, he. I mean, he shared a backfield with Merle Hodge, who was fantastic. I mean, this was this is yeah. I mean, Franco Harris was great, and I look at this team and I just go, man. Uh, But back to Franco, I just look at Franco and I go, it's a damn shame he didn't get through this weekend because I think it's it would have been a great uh, testimony to who he is. This guy has just been he's always he's been Mister Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw is the most famous Steeler of all time, but Franco Harris is Mr. Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, it's just sad. You know, he didn't seem like there was anything going on or he was sick or anything. Um, you know, and we're coming up to the 50th year, the Immaculate Reception, which if you don't know what that is, go Google it. It's amazing. Um, I still argue that I don't know if that ball touched the ground or not, but we don't have free play. <laughs> but I look at it and I just – it, Franco Harris, I was so saddened to see this this morning because guy's a class act. You can't find anything wrong with Franco Harris. And if you think something's wrong with Franco Harris, there's something wrong with you, not him. Uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Franco Harris. Yeah, there's nobody. There's no reason to not like him. I mean, he's just an incredible man, an incredible, not just represented for the Steelers, but for football. And for America, I mean, this guy was just a great, great man and fantastic guy. I, I feel so bad for him and his family and, and everyone involved that, you know, it just, it's sad. It's, but I mean, that's what happens to our heroes. We get older and they get older and they're, they're gone. It's, it's so sad. Uh, rest yeah. in peace, Franco. Yeah, indeed. Um, Bo, uh, Matt Stafford says that he has no plans to retire this offseason. Had a really bad spinal contusion to end his season. And he is older up there in age. Won the Super Bowl last year, Super Bowl MVP and everything. Um, I hope Stafford's all right and hope that he's okay. But uh, this might be a long road to get back to the football field longer than people realize here. Yeah, I don't really, I haven't really looked to see a whole lot about the injury. I haven't looked into it. I just know that he is in a real bad way. Um, but he's still under contract for a while, too. So I know you want to get your money. Um, I don't know what's going to happen here. I think, I mean, I think he's going to try to play. He's 34. He's not, we think of Matt Stafford, he's this old guy, but he's not like an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady old. Right. I mean, he's still in the mid thirties, but I think you you might have said something great there about how you know we don't know what the road back is going to be, and that's going to be a tough situation with that team with no draft picks, you know, no high draft picks, um, you know, and just kind of saying, well, what do we do to make this team better? That's a rough one. I, I'm rooting for Matt Stafford. I hope that he gets well, and I hope that he plays, and I hope that he's successful. Because I've always liked Matt Stafford. Uh, well, I was I'm glad he got last, a Super Bowl last year. 
I look at last year, Bo, everything went right for them to win that Super Bowl. Everything went right. And, you know, they got, they had some luck go along the way, too. Um, you know, the OJ, OBJ signing was a big deal. Um, you know, bringing in Eric, uh, you know, Eric Reed, you know, all that, you know, the, the moves they made down the stretch, credit where credit's due, but they did have some luck along the way to get that, that Super Bowl. And this year, everything that's gone wrong has just gone wrong for that team. And I think they got a long road back. I mean, even if, you know, they get healthy again and are competitive, their, their window is very short with this group here. I, I think their window is already closed. Maybe I, so, don't, yeah. I don't see how they get back open. And then there's a lot of talk about Sean McVay not coaching next year. There's a lot of talk about him going into the booth or going into the do some analysis stuff. You know, I think that that was sort of maybe sort of the plan as they made some of these decisions. And it might be that Matt Stafford is sort of the last guy, you know, there when it comes to the big name people, you know, between Stafford and McVay and Odell Beckham and then, uh, Aaron Donald, who I think we're going to hear Cooper more about Cup. Aaron Donald. Yeah, Cooper Cup. We're going to hear a lot about Aaron Donald talking about retiring at the end of this year, I think. Um, yeah. I know he got an extension, but I think a lot of that was some play money in a way. So yeah. let's see what happens. And, yeah, it could be that Stafford's the last man standing, he, him or Donald, one of them. But I, I just hope that his injury isn't too severe. And he makes it back because in theory, he could still have three or four more years of quality quarterback play. Yeah. Yeah, he could. Um, the uh, situation with the Colts, not only do they give up that, you know, largest comeback in NFL history, but, you know, you bench Matt Ryan this week, you turn to Nick Foles. Um, this Jeff Saturday thing, you know, has not gone great. And they're talking about keeping their GM, Chris Ballard, there as well. I mean, all these problems, Bo, they go back to one person and one person only. That's Jim Ursay. And whether they bring in a new head coach or even a new GM, it doesn't even matter to me that Indianapolis isn't that great a place to live. Besides the Indianapolis factor, just the organization itself. That is a mess that whoever takes is uh, going to take upon their hands here as head coach, GM, whatever. That that might be the worst job in the league right now. It, it's certainly one of them. And, it, and a lot of it is that Jim Irsay is, I think, unreasonable in his expectations. This was a franchise that got, in 1998, got extremely lucky. I mean, they had Peyton Manning fall to him. And everybody wanted to play with Peyton Manning. And everybody yeah, wanted to play with Peyton yeah, and they only won the one time. Yeah, and and they, they had to go through everything they went through while the Patriots were the most dominant team in the league. But Peyton Manning brought a certain amount of um, I don't know if you'll call it style or whatever. It was it was a this reasonable of we are going to be hold ourselves to a higher standard. And then they brought in Tony Dungy to coach with, him. and Tony Dungy again is one of those high standard kind of guys. Jim Caldwell was one of those guys. And then you just see the drop-off from there. They, they've been it, – it's it's kind of like a, a whole bunch of people running around and the building's on fire since Peyton Manning's left and since Jim Caldwell left. It's They they really don't have a central idea what they want to do. Uh, they were then gifted Andrew Luck, 
and they managed to screw that whole thing up. Um, and now Andrew Luck retired, and he's got no regrets. If you read the article yeah. a couple weeks ago, I think it was in Sports Illustrated. ESPN. Sports Illustrated, The Athletic. Or it was ESPN, you're right. Yeah. And it was like, okay, unbelievable what's going on there. Um, so it, overall, what I think the issue is, I think you said it right, it's it's Jim Irsay. It's Jim Irsay um, has just – he's kind of just – been the guy that's put up new paint and new shrubs and said, oh, we can continue and really hasn't addressed what is going on with this team. You know, whether it's from the Peyton and Andrew Luck thing. And we looked, you and I were talking a year ago, maybe even two, two seasons ago, we're saying, look, this team had Andrew Luck. They're the best team in the NFL. Right. They had put together this incredible team around Andrew Luck and we're adding pieces and adding pieces but the coaching staff is terrible. And then, of course, when you have the Andrew Luck thing happen, well, you know, he's gone and you're going, oh, my God, what are we standing here holding? Um, they haven't addressed the quarterback situation well. Carson Wentz was a was a disaster when they tried that deal. The following up, they ended up getting, you know, Jonathan Taylor gifted to him in a, in a first round. Well, you go get Jonathan Taylor, that's great. They never really changed the offense. Right. They were still a quarterback-oriented offense, but you got the second-best running back in the league right there. Right. You know, you've got to change up who you have with your personnel, and you've got to be well, able to like, mold. Even when they drafted Quentin Nelson, okay, that's cool. Quentin Nelson, I mean, he might be a Hall of Famer someday, but, I wow. mean, how many games does an offensive guard win you when you could have had Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Just – I. You know, and we can always go back and look at a team and say, well, they could have drafted this great quarterback. You know, we could say that about a lot of teams. But it, it, just look at it and go, God, they just haven't had a plan. Right. And I don't know that Jim Irsay is – I mean, this is the guy who was gifted his team from his father. He likes to think he can build a team. He says it multiple times. He he knows football. Jim Irsay don't know shit. <laughs> Let's just say it. I can run his team better than he could today. He is a wannabe Jerry Jones. Yes, very much so. And he doesn't have the football acumen to actually run this team in a football way. Jim Irsay would be – Jim Irsay, if he was smart, would go to Peyton Manning and he would say, how much money do you need to be the president of this team? Right. I'll give you whatever you want, even if it means a part of the ownership of this team. Yeah. Run this yeah. team like a franchise that we can be proud of. Because you can't be proud of the Indianapolis Colts right now. No. And and and, and I think that I watched that whole game against the, the Vikings. And for the first half, it was like anything that could happen did happen. Every bounce of the ball that could have gone the Colts' way did. And they ran it up. I mean, they're up 33 to nothing at the half. They get 36 to nothing in the third quarter. And after a couple of possessions, I'm sitting there going, they might lose this game. Yeah. I couldn't believe we went through line by line some of these play calls. I mean, I counted it up. It was six times that um, the Colts went three and out or or punted with less than five plays. I run the football. And when they did run the ball, it was successful. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. It's a joke. That I see what they, what they did with Jeff Saturday. It was a great change of pace idea. It was kind of a Ted Lasso kind of idea. 
But in the end, it ain't going to work. They're going to end up being 4-12 and 12 when it's all said and done or something ridiculous like that. Uh, Last yeah, thing, Rick, well, and then we'll uh, move on here. Yeah. Uh, after the Jalen Hurts injury news, all the betting markets, if you go to FanDuel, BetMGM, Caesars, yeah. you name it, immediately their odds switch and made Mahomes a pretty decent favorite to win the MVP. Jalen second, and then Joe Burrow and – Josh Allen, you know, pretty distant there, tied for third between the two. Boa, uh, I mean, Jalen hasn't been ruled out this week. I mean, it's doubtful he plays, but he hasn't been ruled out. And then okay. even then, you know, he could still play the next week, you know, all yeah. that. But that being said, I mean, was this an overreaction from the betting markets? Yeah, I think that people thought initially he was going to be out for the next three weeks. I mean, and the I lines can move back, though. They're yeah. still that way. Yeah, I think people. I think. Well, I think the Eagles are also not telling us everything about his injury. I don't think he's playing this week, but I wouldn't play even if he was. You know, if he was a little banged up, I wouldn't play him this week. Um, I look at it and I go, well, okay. We we've been doing the MVP conversation on my pod for a couple weeks now, and I had Hurts number one. I've had him number one for a month. Um, I've got Joe Burrow number two right now, and then I've got Allen and Mahomes in that order. Now, last week, before this last weekend, I had Mahomes ahead of Allen. Um, and I think it comes down to we're going to see differently this season is that it's not going to be who has the biggest number. It's going to be who wins these games down the down the line. Right. Um, the Chiefs don't have much of a schedule left. They should win out. And Mahomes should have big games. Yeah, but Mahomes hasn't played great the last six weeks. He he's played very good, and he is and he is Patrick Mahomes. He is the best quarterback in the NFL. But I look at it and I say, right now, I would I, I look at this and I go, okay, if I was going to have to take who I'd want moving forward for this for this postseason, it wouldn't be him. There's just something not right about the Chiefs last six weeks. Yeah, they have they haven't covered a spread in six weeks. They haven't, and and that's not a a great decipher of who's good or bad, but it does give you an idea if you're a really good team and you're playing a bad team and you can't put them away. Yeah, and they haven't. Yeah. They didn't put the, the the Broncos away. They didn't put the Texans away. I think that speaks to what's going on there. Right. I also forgive Jalen Hurts for a game because Mahomes has had a couple of bad games. Burrow had the game at the beginning of the season where he had four turnovers. So right. we've seen that already. Uh, Allen had a couple of bad games in there. So Hurts missing a game, to me, wouldn't change things. If yeah. he misses three, if they sit in the rest of the way, it would change my vote. Yeah. I, I could, couldn't give it to him if he missed three games. Um, let's, let's talk college football now. Uh, yeah. Transfer portal and signing day, all of that. Um, one big winner to me that really stood out, Bo, was Oregon and the guys they were able to get in the portal and then how well they did on, on signing day as well. Dan Lanning, first year there, comes over from Georgia as the D.C. They win nine games, top 15 team this year. Now you have this really good class coming in. Um, watch out. I mean, Dan Lanning bringing some uh, SEC flavor to the uh, Pac-12, it seems. Yeah, I mean, if you can get those guys to go, um, you know, and he flipped um, the big safety from 
uh, Notre Dame as well on signing day. It, it's um, it, it's amazing. I mean, we've all talked about this over time about if you can get Southern kids and guys who would normally have gone to play in the SEC, if you can get them to an Oregon, if you can get them to a USC, if you can get them, you know, out west. If you can get those kids and you can get the California kids, you can put up a dominant a dominant team out there and have a great program. And it seems like that's exactly what's going on in Oregon right now. I think it helps though you've got they've got money. I mean, they've got NIL yeah. money. And then I think it helps that there's a coolness to Oregon. The unis, the Nike stuff, you know, that. I think that makes a difference. I do. I Doesn't think it that... feel, Bo, it feels like to me that with USC leaving and what Oregon has done, you know, they were in the first ever college football playoff national championship. Um, they've been through several head coaches. They've been still contending teams. Sure, they're not what they were maybe eight or nine years ago, but I feel like that could be a sleeping giant out West that yeah. if Dan Lanning's the guy, there's no reason why that Oregon team can't be averaging 10 wins a year and competing for the college football playoff every year. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this before too. You and I have, it's, it's one of those things where you say, okay, we've got two conferences, both the PAC 12 and the big 12 where the biggest names are leaving. So in the PAC 12, USC and UCLA are leaving Oklahoma and Texas leave. Well, now someone's got to be that team. Someone's got to be that dog. It's clear that Oregon wants to be that team in the in the Pac-12. And I think that's what they're doing here. They're saying, hey, we want to be that team. We're going to show you what we can do. You know, let's go from there. Let's see what happens. And I think they are going to dominate out there for quite a while. Like they've got a good program. And it's a coolness to them. It, it's interesting because this is the time where someone has to step up and be that guy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, great point there. And uh, on the recruiting front, uh, Oklahoma uh, had a really good day recruiting and also has had uh, you know, been one of the best teams in the portal. I look at what Brent Venables is doing. Obviously, he's doing a good job selling that Oklahoma program. They even had a good recruiting class last year. But eventually, those recruits have to turn into wins. Uh, I think – you know, BV is doing half his job right. He's getting the talent. But yeah. next year has got to be a big year for the Sooners uh, if, if BV is the long-term solution. Yeah, I think so, too. He's going to – they're going to have to take a, a giant step forward. You know, and what we saw with Oklahoma in the last three or four weeks wasn't bad. Like, there was a, a marked improvement from where they were in the middle of the season. Sure. And I think that we'll see that. And and they're still Oklahoma. I mean, they're they're still going to be competitive. And they're going to move to the SEC. And, I mean, look, it's going to be – it's going to be different. But they're still going to be Oklahoma. They're still going to be a place, a destination for certain players. Right. Right. Um, Travis Hunter uh, seems to be the best prize in the portal right now to Jackson State. Uh, star defensive back and wide receiver – Bo, everybody just assumed he was going to follow Prime to Colorado, but on three is projecting that he could end up at Georgia. USC has been thrown around there, Miami. Um, I know that Dion's doing a lot of moves and doing a great job at Colorado with who he's bringing in, but, I mean, he can't miss on his own guy, Travis Hunter, here, right? 
Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he if he's got to think it through that way. So he's Travis Hunter's got two years of eligibility left for one. Oh, he's got three. Well, he's already played a season, hasn't he? Right, but he's got sophomore, junior, senior year. Well, I mean, you get to the three that you need to go to go pro. Oh, two to go pro, yeah. Yeah. So what Dion's gonna do, he's gonna bring in guys who are gonna be three and four year guys because he's yeah, he can't he can't just change that thing in one year. Um, he's gonna have to keep some of those guys for as long as he can keep them. Um I see the point of yeah, Travis Hunter should go to Colorado, but also you know, he's a lot like Prime in that he's a flashy guy. He wants his money. Look, this guy's going to get it in the market. You might as well go get it now and know you're going to play somewhere for two years, whether that be uh, a Georgia or USC or Miami. You know, he's going to be the bell of the ball there. And, you know, you might as well do that for the two years instead of going somewhere where you're rebuilding. Um, I don't know that Miami be necessarily a good fit outside of the money. I think USC and Georgia would be great fits for him. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. I, I just that's probably my thinking. I don't think this is more on a negative about about Coach Prime and go have Dion more than it is about this individual situation. Yeah. Uh, a couple more schools I want to talk about here. Uh you mentioned Miami and uh, them being in the Travis Hunter sweepstakes. Mario Cristobal's done an incredible job recruiting. And through the transfer portal and everything there, they're bringing in the talent. Um, that seems to be taken care of. But what's it going to be the point, like, when we say officially the U is back? What do they have to do to be back? The U is going to have to win games. The The U, if you go back to when the U was the U, the U was the U because they won. It wasn't because they got the best players. Right. It was because they won. But how much winning would we would is it gonna the bar for them to reach? They're gonna have to make the playoff. They're gonna have to be in the playoff and they're gonna have to get there a couple years in a row. I mean, they're gonna have to start dominating, they're gonna have to dominate that conference where they used to, and they're gonna have to get into the playoff and make some noise. Is Crystal Ball the right guy you think to do that? I I, I tend to think yes, but I don't absolutely know. It's so finicky to know about some of these coaches. I mean, look, if you had to go and say how many are the how many coaches are the guys, there ain't that many. I mean, we all like Saban, we all like Kirby Smart. I mean, I'm an LSU guy, I'm still not sold on Brian Kelly all the time. So I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, how many great coaches are there? Right. Cristobal's part of that legacy. You know, he was a player there. He he wants to get the old school you back, you know, and if they can do that, I, it also was just a different day in the 80s and the 90s and up till 2000 with what Miami was. I mean, they were the they were the bad boys and it was a different deal and it, they just they, they won it. They won because they had great players and great coaches those whole situations too. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but they're going to have to, before we can take them seriously again and say the U is back, they're going to have to go through their conference and beat up everybody. And yeah. they're going to have to get in the playoff a couple of times. Last one, uh, Texas A&M, not a top 15 class after having the number one class last year, five and seven season. Um, I mean, there's got to be more to this, Bo, besides them just losing football games. 
I mean, you don't take that significant drop off without, I think, maybe donors and people that write the checks saying, yeah, I'm out. I'm not writing those checks right now. I think that's got to be part of it, too. I mean, it, it Jimbo just didn't get worse as a recruiter. I think that he's lost the fan base, lost his, his donors. He has lost them. He has lost that whole program right now. If it wasn't for how much his contract is, he would have been fired. Uh, but but no one's eating, you know, what is it, 80 million? No one's eating that much money. I know that Paul Feinbaum says that they will, but they're not. So I think this is a matter of boosters and people saying, hey, we're not going to put this money out here until he's gone. And if, if unless he can show us something different. And, you know, I think that it's, we can look at this and go, he's going to show them something different or they're going to wait him out to where it gets to a point they can afford to pay him off. That might be one of the worst contracts, if you look at it, in the history of college sports. It's all yeah. said and done, what they gave Jimbo. I mean, it's Charlie White's bad at this point. And he has, he's lost the team. And to think, too, I mean, that was a program that, whether it was Dennis Francione or – uh, Kevin Sumlin, whoever it was, they always found a way to average eight wins a year. And that wasn't good enough because they said we're Texas A&M, we should be winning more than that. He's not even reaching that bar right now. No, he, he's not. And it's going to be even tougher with Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC. It, it's, it's amazing that A&M thinks they're someone they're not. I mean, A&M, they are little brother to Texas. And – there's no little brother franchises in any state that are the dominant. Yeah. There's an alpha and then there's everybody else. And in Texas, it's still Texas. They're still not great, but Texas is one of those places where recruits are now getting picked off by, you know, the SEC schools, um, by USC, by, I mean, Alabama's picking those guys, LSU's taking those guys. They're not even the most important schools in their state anymore. And that's, yeah. Says a lot about where Texas football is, um, and A and M thinks that they are the they 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 want to be they they try they strive to be the number one big dog. They're just not, right? No matter how much oil money they have. Yeah. Well, we're out of time. I uh, hope you have a good Christmas, my friend. Uh, we'll be talking to you again uh, next week, uh, or actually in a couple weeks, rather. Uh, and uh, but next time we speak, we will know who's in the national championship. So uh, appreciate the time as always. Have a great holiday season, my friend. Hey, thank you, Tyler. You have a happy new year. Merry Christmas to you and the family and take care. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fuller story of the week. Thomas Bridges tells us something ridiculous happening in the world. Thomas Bridges, where shall we uh, head to this time? We are, uh, Jones, we're, we're coming out of uh, NBC DFW. So we're coming around where you are staying, but we're coming around where your fandom lies, and that means we are going to KC Mo. Um, and that also means this 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 story has Westport written all over it. Um, Kansas City Chiefs super fan arrested for armed bank robbery. A Chiefs fan who goes by Chiefsaholic was arrested on arm was oh did this see this ties into all of you. Comes from NBC DFW, where you're staying. Comes where your fandom lies in Kansas City, and the and the man was arrested from where you're actually from, which is Oklahoma. 
Chiefs fan who goes by Chiefsaholic was arrested for armed robbery in Oklahoma on Friday. This is by Max Molsky, um, published a couple of days ago. Like I said, NBC DFW. You've heard of the wolf in sheep's clothing, but how about a bank robber in wolf's clothing? Kansas City Chiefs superfan Chiefsaholic, whose real name is Xavier Michael Babadoo ba Babudar is known for wearing a KC Wolf costume at Arrowhead Stadium and Chiefs Road Games. However, he was absent from Sunday's game in Houston in the stands and on social media. The Chiefsaholic Twitter account had been silent since December 16th, raising suspicion among other Chiefs fans online. A deep dive from fellow fans soon unveiled why the account had gone quiet. Babudar was arrested for robbing a bank that morning. Babadar was arrested at 10.15 a.m. local time on Friday for armed robbery. Jones, get this, her Tulsa County records. Police responded to an armed robbery happening in the Tulsa's Teachers Credit Union. That sounds familiar <laughs> My old bank. TTCU, baby. TTCU in Bixby. Freaking Bixby, Oklahoma. With an eyewitness... <laughs> Giving a description of the suspect along with the direction he fled, according to Emily Ferris of 2 News, Oklahoma. Fox 23 reports, your girl Sarah Whaley and Shay Rozzi, reports that Bigsby police set up a perimeter and arrested the suspect who had a weapon and large amounts of cash on him. No physical injuries to bank employees or witnesses were reported. The arrest record says Babadour was wearing a mask while committing the robbery, though it does not specify if it was the wolf mask that he sports at Chiefs games. Bond for Babadour is set at $200,000. Babadour tweeted on December 12th that he would be making the trip to Houston for the Chiefs Week 15 game. Jones, before I continue, obviously he needed a little extra money, so he must have stopped in Bixby on the way to Houston. Um, Bixby is close to midway point on the journey between the Chiefs and Texas home stadiums. Coming in around 280 miles from KC, and just under 500 miles from Houston. Jones, I don't think he probably had any ties to there. He didn't full-on rob a Tulsa bank, but he did rob a TTCU in Bigsby. Listen, Jones, you don't here's my dilemma. TCU. Here's my dilemma. Okay. When is the last time an actual bank robber has gotten away with it? You can't rob banks like you used to back in, like, even probably the 70s. Like, there's too much evidence. So, I guess the story with this guy is that the way he had been funding his trips to go to games was by robbing banks. No. Yes, that's how the story goes here. That was a detail that you, you left out there. Was well, it, it didn't say that. It didn't say that in the story that I've seen. So yeah, you're telling he, me he's he a serial robbed. bank robber. He is a serial bank robber that's robbed multiple banks, and that was how he was funding to go to all these games. That's incredible. And the fact that he just now got caught—I mean, he—he he wore the same mask in the bank robbery that he wore at Chiefs games, the wolf mask. And no one ever made that connection. No one. Until Bixby caught him. Yeah. You don't you don't ever rob a TTCU and get away with it. No, that's that's the credit union. Yeah. Those teachers, those, those they're not gonna let those bitches get away with that. 
That's incredible. I didn't see that. This story did not say that. So you're you're telling me the only reason he was able to actually attend away games wasn't because he had a badass weekday job. He was no, been robbing he was banks. Filming his trips. He was just robbing banks all the time. And no, this hasn't even come up. Like, how has this not been a thing? Like, if you wear the same mask, like he's got to be someone. Someone should have had to say, "Hey, listen. There's a reason he's this close. He doesn't have a good job. He's just out here robbing banks." That's incredible. Yeah, and what's really funny too is the Chiefs, they have an awful mascot on these on the sidelines. KC. Yeah, yeah Chuck E. Cheese. It looks, it looks ridiculous. They might need to have KC Wolf like carrying around bags of cash now or something. Oh, if they if they poked fun at him and had, you know, who do the Chiefs play this week? The Seahawks. If they have the if if they have like a uh, the Casey Wolf do a uh, a cameo type thing and robbing the Bank of Seattle and Tacoma, they if they have <laughs> Casey Wolf, yeah they they that would be hilarious if they had Casey Wolf like in a cameo type funny style rob rob a SeaTac Bank, um you know the bank let's find out where Pete Carroll banks at, you know he he probably banks at. He probably banks at a Trident, Trident, True and True Bank, or something like that. Xylitol Bank, Sugar Free Bank. Um, you know that they got to do something funny. They can't just let that die. Um, I didn't. That the more incredible story is that like, okay, where you are, I don't know what would you say, seventh, eighth through the way of the season? And he's obviously robbed Banks. This isn't maybe not even his first season robbing Banks. And you're telling me he gets caught at a TTCU and doesn't get away. But every other bank he's gotten away and been able to fund his trips. Like, what are these other banks doing? I mean, I'll say this much, Tom. I'm not encouraging this behavior, but I mean... That's a true fan right there. I mean, he found any means possible to go see his favorite team play. That's a real one. I mean, yeah. I imagine the banks I'd have to rob to go see L.A. play. I'd yeah. have to. I'd have to double up. Right. I mean, it's it's really actually incredible that he's even robbed one bank and got away with it. Well, the fact that he was like, you know what, quick picks pit stop in Tulsa. Let's go to the TTCU in Bigsby and and get some cash on the way home. You know, go well, that and he he didn't. You know, it's probably decently smart of him that he you know he should have went to like somewhere like fucking Glenpool. <laughs> you know, Big Bigsby's Bigsby's up and coming, and and too many of the cops probably still care about Bigsby. Like, you know, that's you know that's an that's an up and coming place. Like, he couldn't have got away with it in Broken Arrow. Uh, you know, if he would have robbed a bank and broken arrow, they probably would have hung him um, next to the ice skating rink um, by uh, tavern in downtown VA. They they would have had a public hanging for him. Um, Bigsby is is kind of like the uh, you know Wasso had his time in the sun. Bigsby is now having its time in the sun. Um, you know he should have. You know what he should have done, Jones? He should have just traveled out. 
um, next to your hometown. He should have went out to Kawita. And he definitely could have robbed the bank in Kawita. He should have gone to, uh, to your hometown of Dewey and hit up both <laughs> banks with uh, all that oil no. they got. Yeah, there's only really one bank in Dewey, and that's Armstrong Bank. And they got all that oil money. And now in, in Dewey, in Dewey, you know what they probably would have done? He would have made out the front door before they shot him in the back. <laughs> 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 they, they, yeah, they would have, they would have went wolf hunting, and they, he would have been dead before he walked out of the front door. Um, he, he must have been in Liberal, Kansas. There's a there's a town in Kansas called Liberal. Yeah. He must have he must have been robbing banks in Liberal, Kansas, where they didn't have no guns, because uh, <laughs> you know that, or he must have not went to very few. He must have went very few uh, games in Texas, because uh, here's you know. here's another question for you, Tom. Uh, how are banks still getting robbed in 2022? Like, how does every bank not have armed security? Not even that. It's like, okay, how how does a, a robber get away for even more than three hours? Right. There's there's too many security cameras. Like we, we have we have we have street lights that can run your car plate to make sure you have insurance. And if you don't, they send you a ticket or put a warrant out for your arrest. Right. Like how are you getting away? You know, like like, here's the thing. If you rob a bank nowadays and you want to get away with it, for one, you have to have a stolen car, which is, okay, felony number one. You commit a crime while also committing a felony, which is a like at least a 10-year prison sentence boom on top of that. You rob a bank, armed robbery, which, like, at that point, all the crimes that you commit at that point in time to get away with it is a life sentence. Yeah, like you commit armed robbery, especially of a bank. Even if you don't harm anybody, you commit an armed robbery. That's at least ten years. If you possess a firearm and commission of a felony, that's at least another seven. Like, and if you get away on a high speed chase or resist arrest, in terms of all the other charges that you could rack up. You're looking to 25 to life immediately. I mean, with this even, Chiefs-aholic even if you don't dude, hurt anybody, I would say this about this chief's a dude. I mean, with all that bank robbery, he knew he was going to get caught at some point. You don't do that that often without knowing what's going to happen. I mean, you got to give him credit. He, he lived it up. Like he got all those trips and made all those games while he could before uh, it ultimately happened. I mean, he made the most of his time. I mean, no, he did, but now he's going to be watching him from a prison cell on about a 13-inch screen on a boob tube. Um, Do you think they're going to let him come back and hit the uh, the drum at the Chiefs games? Oh, my God. That would... No. (laughs) There's no way. Like, listen, the Chiefs are already getting shit for them still doing the, doing the, the native chop. Yeah. Like they're already getting shit for that. They let him come back after robbing banks. Uh, you know the Chiefs will become. You know you you live as a hero. What do they say? You live as a hero so long. You you know if you live so long as a hero, you eventually come back and 
and die. live as a villain. Yeah, exactly. You never die a hero. You always come back and be the villain. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as you didn't hurt anybody, that's cool. But at the same time, it's like, listen, how stupid can you be to rob a TTCU? Yeah. Well, you're never, you're not getting away from TTCU. <laughs> Uh, you know, they'll, they'll probably put him in prison I mean, and run, um, they'll run the commercial. Was, this is the same bank that when I was in high school was not letting me get away with overdraft charges. They charged me every damn time. I mean, yeah, they might, they might make him come back and, and, uh, you know, run the Dewey decimal system on the deal. Like, how how stupid can you really be? Like, and you know, and you're absolutely right too, Jones. Like, how long? Like, if I if I was to rob one bank and get away with it, my criminal career would end immediately. I'd be like, nope, I got lucky. We're rolling. We're cool. We're good. We're not. I'm not even looking in the way. I'm just driving to get home at that point. Yeah. Like. So to to continue on doing that is uh it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. It's amazing. Um we're not encouraging this behavior but um I mean credit where credit's due kind of for going as long as it did. Uh he's chief saholic, you know, he was addicted to the game, you know. He, he wanted to see his favorite team play wherever it was and made it happen. So what a story indeed. Uh, Tom, we got to go. Big thanks to uh, Steve Weiss for joining us as well as uh, Coach Bo Brian O'Connor and you, the listener, for being here with us. We will see you again in 2023. As always, subscribe to the Jones Board. New episodes out on Thursdays on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Follow us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Studio underscore Soapbox, at Thomas underscore Bridges, uh, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live. It's Thomas. You can find us there. For Thomas Bridges and our entire crew for the final time in 2022, saying so long. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you in 2023.